So, Lucas, um, we made a big mistake. I'm saying we, because now you're involved. I know, yeah. You've just roped me into this now. I did, yes. Um, I'm, I made a big... I, I'll own it. I made a mistake. <laughs> a, silly, a silly mistake, but a mistake nonetheless. And mm. In the podcast, you, my lovely dear listeners, who paid $5 for you know this, the exceptional quality you've come to expect from the Carl Smallwood brand... Oh, yeah. Uh, ...are going to hear that my voice isn't all that clear. And potentially the voice, my voice in the last episode or two wasn't that clear. And that's we just discovered while looking at my Audacity settings. I was actually recording not via the purpose, the microphone I... You know, the professional quality purpose. microphone that you have sitting yes. in front of you, your face the, in the little square cube. Yeah, the professional grade microphone I bought for some money and then in case in soundproofing. It was actually recording through the webcam put on my TV three, four feet away from where I'm sat. Oh, God. It's usable. The quality is usable. Mm-hmm. Lucas, so there still will be the podcast. It'll be, it's going to be following this conversation right here. We just thought we'd explain why there's going to be such a marked contrast between my own audio and Lucas's audio, mm-hmm. given that we are recording on the same microphone. The exact so same microphone. The, I bought you the same microphone I have in the office, yep. so the sound quality would be next to identical. Mm-hmm. And people might think, why does Carl sound so much worse? Doesn't he have an office full of equipment <laughs> and Lucas is sat in his house? Yeah, I'm just sat in my living room in like my makeshift studio. So I, I guess it's more, just, I want to, to explain why that's the case and just apologise, because mm-hmm. that is a stupid fucking thing to have done. And but we will an keep an eye out for it in the future. We will, yeah, and we hopefully shouldn't make that mistake again. But I just wanted to say I'm really sorry for just like the the drop in quality that you're going to hear going into fading into the uh, the podcast that's about but to play. It, it was, was a very fun, very fun podcast to do. Hopefully, there was a lot of fun stuff to discuss. And yeah. Because we improvise everything, we can't exactly just go back and go everything again. Because there's jokes that were made or mm-hmm. tangents that we went on that wouldn't be the same. It's done. So I'm hoping people can forgive that and and look forward to. Uh, or high-quality audio, as always, next week. Yeah, better-sounding audio going forward. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm sorry no, about no, Carl. Really. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this one. It's uh, it's my bad. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. I've, I've noticed as well, because I've been editing all the Smash videos this week. Oh, yeah. And I've noticed that we say, do you know what? So much. It's so funny. We say it so much. I was watching the Falcon Fridays one today, and every single time we go for a dunk, you know what? I'm not even mad. You know what? That was pretty good. You know what? That's pretty decent. We're both saying it, and I think we both feed into each other. We do. We definitely do. I don't really say it very often outside of being with you. No, and that's the thing. I think we are just feeding into each other's worst instincts, and we decided to get a catchphrase, but it's not a catchphrase. It's all. And then, um, what do they call it? It's um, what? It's like urn. What do they call urn? It's it's like stock. I can't remember. It's, it's, yeah, it's, there's a word for it. It's a word you use when you don't know what to say next. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming like our vocal widget. You know yeah, what? basically. Because being on on YouTube or going on a podcast, you have to be talking all the time. Mm-hmm. So we can't think what to say. You know what we do? <laughs> just like that, that so filler. Bad. To give your brain a bit of... Um, That's it, filler words. Yeah, it's a, it's a filler. And as I've just done, um, 
It's yeah. just like that little word that you use to give your brain a little second yeah, just to think of the next thing you want to say. Yeah, universal across all language. Mm-hmm. They change depending on where you are in the world. But there's a lot of interesting stuff about language when it comes to that. Uh, one of my favourites being, um, near universally, the word for dad is the same the world over. Really? Yes. It's uh, almost universally is with a, a hard consonant like dada, papa. Oh, okay. So it's it's a, a plosive sound, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And with mum, it's very uh, mum, mama, mummy. It's very oh, okay, yeah. of that because it's a softer sound and usually it's the, the noise, first noise babies can make when they're discovering their lips mm-hmm. and what they can, that they can make sounds. Uh, okay. They associate it with the one thing that they see, which is obviously their mother or their father. Yeah. Um, humans being humans associate it and obviously draw more meaning to it than they do. Say, oh, Baba is me. I'm Baba. Yeah, yeah. And or I'm Mama. Oh, I'm okay. Dada. Even though it's just baby, it's babyly, uh, it's baby babbling. Just it's gibberish. The first things yeah. that they can find are hard to say. Because all babies babble pretty much the same way. Mm-hmm. Like minor variations based on where they are in the world and what words they hear being said. Yeah. Universally, like dad and mum are similar in almost every language. Oh, right, okay. So it's a cool thing to do. People at home as well, so welcome to this episode. Just go down a list of like list mum and dad in other languages. Mm-hmm. You see they're very, very similar in their spellings or the fact they use like similar consonants and vowel sounds. Because I'm very so, interested to hear what it's like in like languages that don't work similarly to English. So a lot of ones like um, maybe like Russian and Chinese stuff like that. We, do you know what? We could do that right. Oh, fuck! I did it again. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> we could do that right now. It's uh, mum and dad in. Oh, look at that! Oh, that tastes so good. But look at those my, clacks. My, my keyboard is not connected because it's, it's wireless. Oh no! Wireless doesn't work. Very well in other languages. We just go through a list right now. So, hi there, everybody. Welcome to um, uh, episode line. Help me with this. <laughs> 24. I was 24. waiting and then you just went silent. Of Carl's Corner. And I'm here with my friend Lucas. Say hello, Lucas. Bonjour. Uh, and um, today, apparently, we're just going to go through this list of mum in other languages to showcase something I was telling Lucas and I hope. I'm assuming it would have faded in, in into that conversation, but at some point, universally, yeah. mum around the world uses the M sound, so it's We've got some examples in front of us now. So we've got mother in different languages, apparently 140 of them. We'll go through a few. So uh, no, just do 140. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. But in Afrikaans, it's uh, moda. Arabic, it's arm. So the M noise again. Aragonese is my. Albanian is meme. Asturian, ma. Basque, ama. Belarusian, Matka, uh, Bolognese, Marda, Bosnian, Magica, Brazilian Portuguese, Mai, Brasischio, Beda, Breton, Mam, uh, Calabrese is Matre or Mama. Are you starting to know it's a pattern yet? Yeah, I am a little bit. <laughs> Danish is more, Dutch is Mudder, uh, Esperanto is Petrino. Well, that's because Esperanto um, is gender neutral. It's supposed to be that universal language. Oh, uh, right, okay. Hawaiian, um, makahine. So again, the M sound there. Uh, God, German, that's, a, that's a complex baby. Just and sitting there going, ah, makahine. I'm assuming there will be a, a shorthand version, like we have mother and mum. Yeah, yeah. This is mother in these languages, not mum. Mm, that's true, yeah. Like Lithuanian, Martina. I'm probably getting the accent on these all terrible, but 
you are noticing a theme, and I can invite you to look at this list of Almost every single one near universally uses the M sound. And we get the dad one, which I believe is there's more variation, but it varies between B and P, which is like. Are you per, looking up um, father or dad though? Because father, father and dad are obviously very different words. Yeah, let's have a quick look. See, 100 different languages to say father. They're similar. Uh, so we're going in again Asturian, par. Uh, Bolognese again, Pada or Pada, Catalonian, Pare, uh, English, Dad, Daddy, Pop, uh, Estonian, <laughs> Isar. There's more variation with Father, but again, it usually uses the like the B or the P sound. Yeah, it's a similar so got, similar trend that's a lot stronger with the word mother. Yeah, and occasionally the D sound. I did like um, your English one though. It wasn't Dad, Daddy, or Pop. It was Dad, Daddy, Pop. <laughs> Sounds like some rapper name. I would listen to Dad Daddy Pop's first album. I wouldn't buy it, but I'd stream it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just that That'd be on my Spotify. Just once. Yeah, that's an interesting fact people I didn't know. It's a new universal constant in language because babies all generally learn language the same way, just by mm. you know, discovering noises that are connected to their mouths. And the first thing they'll do is obviously learn about putting their lips together. And the three noises you can generally make are m, p, and p. So if you've ever heard a baby babble, it's always burp, 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 Yeah, yeah. Everything is playing great for the people listening on headphones at home. <laughs> and obviously, humans draw from that. Oh, they must be referring to me. It's not. It's the baby's just it's chatting shit. It could mean anything. We, <laughs> we ascribe more meaning to it than the baby is. But to be fair, like, if a baby is looking at something, it will probably be saying what it's seeing. I mean... If you, like, have heard before of, obviously, the reason, like, um, like peekaboo works with kids is because if it's they not in their that. eyesight, they can't comprehend that it exists. Yeah, they do not have object permeance, which is mm-hmm. a hilarious concept to me. So, do you want to give a brief rundown about object permeance? It might be a certain people are familiar with. Yeah, um, while my throat is betraying me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, object permeance is, as I said, like, kind of, just the, you know, when somebody walks out of a room, for example, that they've walked out of the room. Yeah. And they're just they somewhere else. From existence. Whereas a baby thing, as soon as you are out of its eyesight, it cannot see you. Therefore, you no longer are there. You no longer exist. Which and is why right. when you play peekaboo and you cover their eyes, they think everything is gone. And you bring it back and they're like, oh, amazing. Yay. That's why babies never get tired of it. Yeah. Because in their mind, like their not fully formed mind, you are bringing the entire world into existence. <laughs> over you and over again. the greatest magic trick that has ever been witnessed. <laughs> you are David Copperfielding the entirety of existence in front of this baby's eyes <laughs> with your fingertips. And that is fucking phenomenal. Yep. There's a load of cool stuff about like when... Uh, like babies and children, like not, I guess, superpowers, but like weird things they have with their bodies and their minds, the way they work, that mm. just never translate. Or like you've got to relearn again at adult life or lose, lose completely. My favourite being that babies have perfect bodybuilding form. You ever heard about this? No. Babies have perfect form when it comes to lifting because they don't, it's all innate, it's all just instinct. So oh, right, okay. Do, a baby something to lift up they will do the perfect deadlift squat form for it <laughs> because that's the way that feels most natural to them 
Yeah, yeah. And it's the most natural and efficient way to do it. So babies will do it instinctively. And it's only later in life, obviously, you unlearn the behaviour as you grow up and you have to be retaught it. Oh, it's right. Like okay. babies know how to swim. Yeah, yeah. But they lose the ability about six months in. So newborn babies can swim, but babies over six months can't. Because mm-hmm. obviously, like, the first thing that a baby will do is just rely on its instincts. So yeah. if it is in some water, it will just use every base instinct it has to keep yeah. it afloat. It's just hardwired into its brain. Whereas when you become a bit older, then thought comes into the process. Mm-hmm. And then you start like questioning how to do it. You don't just rely on what you think is instinct. Ads like that. And as well, I think uh, children up until a certain age cannot get dizzy. Which is why kids can spin around on a spot for ages. Uh, right, sick, okay. Or why they can go on like waltzes and things of that nature without getting sick or without feeling bad. And it actually just doesn't do anything to them <laughs> due to like, there's some mechanical process at work that stops children getting dizzy and that's something that you know, comes in later and that's why um, kids can just absolutely go mental and just spin around the spot for ages and not immediately try vomiting like i do so what you're saying carl is that we are technically inferior to babies in certain ways yeah <laughs> in some ways just yeah. in every way I can lift more than a baby, but it's got better form. <laughs> and at the end of the day, what would you rather have? I mean... Perfect form or lift more? You know, he can use that perfect form to learn to lift more, Carl. There it is, yeah. It's that SpongeBob thing, isn't it, where he goes into his workout room and it's just the two teddy bears on the end of a dumbbell. <laughs> or bar- it's a barbell with barbell, teddy bears yeah. at the end. Yeah, so good. And is, then his arms just pop the, off. Yeah, is that the greatest joke? visually that's ever appeared in spongebob i think so <laughs> because i don't think there's been a better one than that because that image is just so hilarious it's just stuck in my mind i'm just here like ready for my morning routines <laughs> <laughs> it's the teddy bears above the head and then he drops them and goes, <laughs> As he hits the, the one thing that i always find weird like looking back at spongebob is that i always forgot about those super realistic close-up shots that they did oh man they freak people the fuck yeah. out yeah because I always just remembered the like cartooniness and the silliness, and then like watched a clip on YouTube or something, and and was like, oh god, yeah, they do that. The zooming on Squidward's face when yeah. he's all tired and haggard, or when SpongeBob wants the water, or like Gary's eyes or something like that. Yeah. Oh, if you've seen the one, this is one. I, if people don't remember, I recommend Google it. If you don't, or put it, go onto YouTube if you don't think I'm telling the truth. And there's one where Squidward stubs his toe. Or something like that. Mm. And it zooms right in on his foot and it shows a fingernail or toenail at the end of his tentacle. A giant one that then gets peeled off. Oh. And it shows it in super realistic method. And it's so, like, it's hard to watch. It's, it's oh, that feeling. If people don't think it's true, go Google that shit. Go onto YouTube and it's so bad. <laughs> and it's, oh man. Then again, I also like that sometimes they just use the real sponge. I mean, I think I'm um, I think I may have found it, just for me to watch. Oh, we got like the image. Oh God, just like his his toenail like curling up. Yeah, that's the one. As he's moving the sofa. Oh. Yeah, he stubs his toe, even though he's got tentacles. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, that's the reaction. So I just googled for anyone interested, um, Squidward foot zoom in. And it was like a, a clip, like straight away on Google. Oh, it's like that one I saw like, making the rounds on Twitter a while ago. It's just, oh, Ed fucking dies. 
It's from Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and someone just throws a bowling ball at Ed. Oh, God. He just hits him in the face, and his face goes into the floor at twice the speed of sound. It's a two-second-long clip. And just this bowling ball smashing him right in the face. It's like, oh, my God, that's so bad. Like, Cartoon Network used to, or cartoons back in, they used to go places. I think cartoons in the 90s just went off the rails. Like Ren and Stimpy. Do you remember Ren and Stimpy used to oh, go yeah. for it? Mm-hmm. They used to do stuff like that. They'd zoom right in and show you like, the awful stuff. Or you had um, uh, all the adult jokes hidden in um, kids' shows. I think Rocco's Modern Life had a really good one. Oh, I think Rocco's Modern Life is like renowned for that, yeah. Yeah, we said, oh, I've got to go work in a call centre. And it's just him on the phone reading from a script saying, oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby. <laughs> and he gets fired. And that joke just flies over your head as a child. But as an adult, like, I can't believe they got away with this. Yeah. Yeah, the most um, famous one. That's right. I was going to say, Courage the Cowardly Dog was bad for just like horrifying imagery as well. Yeah, but I was thinking more like jokes that made it past censors. There was the famous one of the Animaniacs. Mm-hmm. So we need, we need to dust for fingerprints. And Dots, I believe, comes out holding Prince, the singer. And <laughs> Yakko or what's the other one? Wacko just says, no, fingerprints. And she oh, just throws Prince overboard. Oh, dear. Yeah. That, that was in a children's cartoon direct, no, produced by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Spielberg watched that and went, this is acceptable for children. This Sign off. to slide. So, oh, man. What's the other one? I think Johnny Bravo's a good one. Oh, like Johnny Bravo got a lot of stuff by. One of them is uh, Joey's neighbour, Susie. Oh, yeah. It's the little girl neighbour calls him up and he just says, oh, you know what? Call me back in 20 years when you're a co-ed. Oh no! <laughs> Again, children's TV show. Yeah. Oh, like, you know, recently, I found out about Johnny Bravo as well. That blew my fucking mind. Go on. Right. What hairstyle does Johnny Bravo have? Like a giant quiff. Yeah, but do you know what it's supposed to be? It's pompadour. It's a very exaggerated pompadour. Oh, it's okay. Supposed to be like Elvis. Yeah, I can see. That. I always, I always assumed it was a giant Paul Phoenix. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was spiked up. I assumed it was that. No, it's a very, very exaggerated pompadour haircut because he talks like Elvis. Yeah, of course. And that's the yeah. haircut Elvis had, and that's why he wears like the tight black t-shirt with the roll-up <laughs> sleeves. He's like the bad boy Elvis look. Yeah, yeah. And that's with like, like oh, the sunglasses. So good. I never noticed that. I never noticed it. Yeah. Oh god. But like, it does look like the Paul Phoenix hair of just a column of hair straight up. Has there ever been? a more iconic hairstyle. I think not. Because <laughs> one of my favourite moments in Tekken, because the story is incomprehensible, but some of the little side stories about specific characters, like, I don't give a fuck about the Mishima family story. Oh, I no, not of that. But the side story of the Law family and just their ongoing relationship with the martial artist Paul Phoenix. <laughs> Do you know what the backstory for Paul Phoenix is? Um, Paul Phoenix, was he like a cop or something? No, he's a, just he's a martial artist who he wants to be the strongest man in the world. So a very generic. Oh, okay. Thing. Like, I want to be the best martial artist. I enter the Iron Fist tournament, and in his first Iron Fist tournament, Tekken One, he fights Kuma, Heihachi's oh, pet bear, <laughs> and beats it in a fist fight. <laughs> he beats Kuma, and... and Kuma the bear gets so angry it vows to beat um, Paul Phoenix. So Paul Phoenix's canonical rival in Tekken is a bear. And then as and between... well, we we just need to say, 
Kuma's side stories are also amazing. Yeah, but this is what we get. But, is Kuma, yeah. the original Kuma, dies and he's replaced by his cub, also called Kuma. <laughs> and Kuma, for anyone who doesn't know, is Japanese for bear. So he's just got Heihachi. a bear called Bear. Yeah. Heihachi Mashima called his pet bear Bear. Because he's an unimagined... And then called his second pet bear Bear. Because he doesn't give a fuck. And the second Kuma, Kuma 2, also somehow inherits the hatred for Paul Phoenix. <laughs> and the story says that in Tekken 3, Kuma um, has become fat and lazy and he watches television. And for Tekken 4, what Kuma does is he goes into the wilderness to look, study how to be a bear. Oh my god. And that's why in Tekken 4 he gets a more a different moveset where he utilises like, you know, the Kuma Crawl. Oh, okay, and yeah. Salmon Slap and all that stuff. But it says that Kuma still likes watching television, so he sneaks down to a village at night and sees, <laughs> watches TV, sees Paul Phoenix on TV, which reignites his fighting spirit. Oh no. And then he re-enters the Tekken tournament to go beat up Paul. <laughs> And then Paul, I'm like, this is great. I might be misremembering it because I'm not reading directly from the uh, wiki. Well, at least as far as I know, it's as accurate as I could. It's accurate to what I uh, remember. As far as you can pull out your ass. In Tekken 3, Paul wins canonically. He beats up Ogre. Oh, okay, yeah. And what Ogre did is Ogre went around and killed all the martial artists in the world because it's the god of fighting. Mm -hmm. And that's why some characters just outright fucking die. I think. that's what kills Jun Kazama, right? So Jin's mum. It kills uh, Julia Chang and some other characters that thought, are main um, in the series. I thought Jun died in two, though. She dies after two. I think she gets killed by Ogre. Oh, okay. We can double check this, but I know Ogre kills a few people. And Paul mm-hmm. beats Ogre, but then True Ogre comes out. Yeah, yeah. And I think Jin beats True Ogre by turning to Devil's Ogre, But... Paul gets mad salty. He's like, "No, I beat Ogre. <laughs> I won the te- I won the Iron Fist tournament." And I was like, "No, you didn't." Because he, really he just turned into it. a fucking demon, and, and Jin flew in as a devil and killed yeah. him. And what he does is he goes around saying, "No, I won the Iron Fist tournament." He becomes a big dick celebrity, and he lets his hair, literally lets his hair down. And he has like that's why in Tekken Four he has the long hair. If you remember Tekken Four at all, I thought he still had his. Like, straight up as a, as a secondary costume, but it, oh, he gets okay. the let-down hair, and everybody hates it because they try to go for a redesign. And what he does is, at the end of his story, he's walking with, like, some blonde bimbo on his arm. Yeah, He looks yeah. into Law's dojo and sees a picture of himself on the wall as, like, <laughs> you know, a true Paul, the original, and he goes, yeah. no, that's who I should be. And he goes and spikes his hair up, gets his motorcycle and drives <laughs> off, just leaving his date. Oh, God. He's, so, he's just so upset. He's like, no, I need to become true Paul once again. Yeah, I've just um, just Googled like a picture of of Paul in second four, and yeah, that was not a good idea. Yeah, they tried to redesign all the characters, and not many of them worked, except for the one for Harang. Or Harang, however the fuck you pronounce his name. I think because it's Harang, but I'm not quite sure. Because what his, if you Google his costume now, it's fucking awesome. Because his story is he gets conscripted to the Korean military. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, all, all Koreans like, go through mandatory military service, and he goes AWOL to join the tournament mm-hmm. to fight Jin. But his costume is the military uniform with short hair, and it looks so fucking cool. And they've never given it again in another game. See, to be honest, though, I still prefer, like, stupid-looking Hwarang. 
Bill oh, yeah, his gi and his long hair. The reason I love him, though, is because he's the student of Baker. Right, this is incomprehensible to anyone who's listening. I want to talk about it. I love <laughs> Bake, who is Howarang's master. Because my dad I, used to play him. It? It's Bake, yeah. Bake Dosan. Oh, okay. The master of martial art, right? The master of Taekwondo. And um, my dad used to play him, and he always used to do the tennis combo and call it Wazoo Yugi move. <laughs> and as he was doing the tennis combo, he'd go, Wazoo Yugi Ah! And so I'd put his hand over the screen. On the controller, and then I obviously to my young mind, this ten hit combo was magic. Yeah, how was my dad doing this? I have no, I have no comprehension of what this move is. Mm -hmm. So whenever uh, when they brought Bake back for Tekken Tag Tournament two, I learned to play Bake. (laughs) And when I play my mate Joe, I would say the Wazoo Yugi move is coming, and say shut up saying that because I did the ten hit combo, and I went into the character customization. And made Bake wear ancient Chinese armor and a crown. Oh, that's and said, em- And said, Emperor Bake is here. <laughs> <laughs> I am here. The Emperor has arrived. And just do the 10 hit combo. Oh, man. I remember, like, getting Tekken Tag Tournament 2. And was like, so, oh, this, this play is, like, really fun. And, like, I love doing, like, the team battles, apart from the ridiculous loading. Yeah, the loading times are terrible in Tekken. I was like, oh, I'll customize character. Oh, wait, everything costs how much? Sorry, like, yeah. oh god, it was like you had to grind for like twenty hours to half design like one custom character. Yeah, if you play through some of the modes, there was like easy ways to earn money. But I did love though just customizing just those select few characters that I liked. Oh yeah, but I would always get King and Armor King both wearing um, uh, t-shirts with crowns. <laughs> just to, like, that's when you you know you're a true king. Oh yeah, when you got you got to give your king your crown. And then I think I put every... And something I did like about Tekken Tag 2 is, um, before it came out, they said, oh, we're going to be releasing free DLC, which is um, swimsuit costumes. And they advertised and they said, like, here is like all the female characters in swimsuits. And obviously, it's a bit on the nose. And it's oh, yeah, yeah, it's, sure. It's, you just, it's a bit cringy when you look at it. This is what Dead or Alive does. It does. And the way they and the way they handle it. And some of the female characters in Tekken are fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Like you got like it brings back like Jun Kazama because it's non-canonical. So like that character is fucking awesome. Her backstory is amazing. Yeah, like yeah. And then just to put her in a giant bikini. And like Michelle just, and stuff like that are like really yeah. badass characters. And it just seems like really reductive to do this to these cool female characters until and that was what I thought. That's when they, said, they oh, turn no. it around. And they say, oh, but there's also the exact same costume. We've done the same thing for every male character. Yeah. Like, you know what? That's perfectly fair. That's what it is. And <laughs> that, I'm like old man Heihachi and his yeah. little uh, speedo. I absolutely fucking loved putting every male character just in their underwear with a crown. Because <laughs> it reminded me of I think the hardest I have ever laughed playing a video game. He's not oh, okay. Soul Calibur 4. And I and Soul Calibur 4 has a hilarious character editor, which and it's a tradition that continues to this day. Like in the latest yeah, one, yeah. there are people making um, chairs. I'm not kidding, when they basically they give Voldo a custom costume using all like the various bits you can attach to him. Oh okay. One where when he when he goes into his back stance, he turns <laughs> into a recliner with a cat <laughs> When he moves across the stage, there's a recliner moving across the stage. It's oh my god! Hilarious. I am. Um... this, I was playing Soul Calibur Four, and I came across came across a Siegfried online, which is a huge, big, buff knight man who wears crystal armor. Oh yeah! And this guy had customized his Siegfried 
to be completely naked except for a faux pat. <laughs> <laughs> Just something about them being completely naked but with the faux pat. Really and then I, it took me a while to realise that after one, when I knocked him down, that he also, you could give all your characters a tail. Oh, yeah. For the, fur, for the furries, you have to give them a tail. Mm-hmm. But if you went into like the editor, you could like position it differently and switch it all the way around, like ver- like horizontally, increase its size, so it just looks like they have a giant furry penis. <laughs> so when you're not the the character on their ass and they're lying with their back, all you can see is this giant fucking furry cock descending into the heavens. Oh, no. And I, after that, I could not stop. I could not play. I was laughing that hard. <laughs> Because all this guy was doing is, after he knocked me down, was crouching over <laughs> my body with this giant furry penis. And I went into the character select screen and gave every character on the roster that exact costume. See, I, that's where I came into play with you. Because I, I just was like, oh, let's play Soul Calibur. And you went, oh, you know what? Like, let's look at my custom outfits. And it was just <laughs> every single person with a giant furry penis. It's so funny, because when you're online, you get knocked back, and you just have the giant furry penis. (laughs) Or what you do is you you make a cool-looking knight character, a generic knight, Mm. but then what you do is go underneath their helmet, give them a giant pink afro. (laughs) And in that game, they have the armor break system. Yeah, yeah. And I, on more than one occasion, was playing online with somebody, and they had the mic in. And we weren't talking, but you could hear them in the background, like pressing the control and stuff. And they'd knock my helmet off, and like the giant pink afro would fly out. <laughs> and you'd just see the character stop moving, and in the, you could see the little uh, microphone symbol in the top just flashing every now and again, as you're going to hear the person breaking down in tears. It's this <laughs> guy with the bright pink afro, and the highest pitch voice possible came over and was going, You want some of this? You want some of this? Oh, God. You could even customise your character's voice, and I always made sure... I gave my character the highest pitch voice to play Yoshimitsu. Oh, no. Because if you make Yoshimitsu's moveset, you can taunt with it. Oh, you can, okay. You like, pseudo-taunt by going into his different stances. Mm. And all you do is like, uh, it's like, no escape, no escape, no escape. <laughs> just, he just dances towards you with his giant furry penis and a pope hat. Oh, God. That game was so fucking oh, good. I love the, uh, the character creators in Soul Calibur, though. Like, They're so good. Did you see the, uh, the abuse... Of the, the one in the newest game. Oh, man, there's some great ones in there. Um, the one that got me is when someone made Principal Skinner. Oh, God. And this thing just says, are you ready for an unforgettable luncheon? Because <laughs> <laughs> he just fucking comes in. I, um... You know, I saw one online of, like, um, somebody had figured out that you can just make, like, a giant, rotating, confusing box as a character... Yeah, you can. And yeah. you don't know how to fight against it because you don't and, know what his hitbox is. Yeah, because there's a character like hitbox inside of this giant box yes. that fills the entire screen. Yeah. So you don't actually know where the character is to hit him. You just see like a rotating box just like <laughs> fly at you. That is some top tier mind games. Yeah. Uh, I love doing that though because that's why usually customizations are banned in Tekken tournaments because in Tekken Tag 2. You could just put every single accessory onto your character at once. Oh, uh, okay. And then it look like this giant, confusing mess of polygons <laughs> that would slow the game down. It's just oh, it's so fucking funny to do. Uh, it's just, there's just something about the idea when I go into like online 
And I'd see this very clearly. It's, it's always an anime character they've made. They've made like Rock Lee or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And I, and I just rock up with my character who's just dressed in a leather cowboy hat. <laughs> completely naked. The skinniest frame possible while wielding a giant fish. <laughs> As they just dance across the stage with a giant fur cock going for the ring out. Oh, God. The question is, Carl, how many people did you encounter that just made the character look like Link? So many. People are so boring when it comes to character creators. Oh, well, especially Link, because he was obviously in Soul Calibur 2 as well. Yeah. So everyone's just like, oh, I want to play as Link again. Cassandra's moveset, but yeah, it's really, it's more hilarious when you go on like Dragon Ball Xenoverse. Oh, Dragon Ball yeah. fans are exactly known for their creativity. <laughs> and there's a great screenshot uh, of someone who was playing Xenoverse 2 who said, oh man, I, I really hope, I can't believe Dragon Ball Fighters is coming out and not using any, they only have like 12 characters or whatever. Mm. The Dragon Ball community is so, um, or without a character creator, the Dragon Ball community is so creative and it's just all characters that like Goku called like Goku 2. <laughs> shit like that. It's, oh, fuck's sake. It's just a screen filled with like twenty fucking Super Saiyans, and you're like, "Cool." Yeah, there's, oh, there's six fucking characters. How many? How many Goku's are in Fighter Z now? Uh, five. I, I lost count. I lost count of how many Goku's. Are in so Fighter there's Z. like normal Goku, um, Super Saiyan Goku, Super Saiyan, Super, Goku, Super Goku Saiyan Blue. Blue Goku, Goku Black, and um, who, Kid people Goku. People say shouldn't count as Goku, even though in the ca- he's canonically he's Goku from the future, so he's Goku. Yes. Kid Goku, so that's five Gokus. Um, and then there's also like Vegito and Gogeta. Goku, yeah, and Gogeta who's coming in. So that's, that adds to one extra Goku, so that's six. And then you have Bardock. Who is 200% Goku. Yeah, people say shouldn't be counted as a Goku, but he is, he looks exactly the same. He's Goku's dad, which means he's more Goku than Goku. Yeah, he's double, he's double Goku. <laughs> that's the one. I'm assuming you've seen that image too. Uh, have I? Do you not know where that meme comes from? No. It's um, someone did a drawing of Android 16 wearing some sunglasses. Or some glasses, like nerd glasses. Yeah. Calculating who is Goku. Oh, yeah. No, I have seen that one. Yeah, yeah. Goku is 100% Goku, so Goku can be dumped. Um, Gotenks is half Goku's son, half Vegeta's son, so he's 25% Goku, so he can be dumped. (laughs) Gohan is 50% Goku, so he can be dumped. Bardock is Goku's dad, so he's 200% Goku, <laughs> making him double Goku, which means he gets double dumped. It's just a victory. It's so good. Oh, Poor Bardock doesn't know what's coming. You've got to fight this giant green robot. And you know what's worse? is like people are still asking for that Super Saiyan 3 Goku. It's like, oh, we yeah. don't need more. We, he's the most popular character. We had this argument with our friend the other day, didn't we? Uh, yeah, we, we had more of a debate. You like to yeah, phrase well, everything as an argument, but yeah, it's a bit yeah, debate. It was a spirited conversation it was. about what character should be added. Because me and you both agree, even though we don't know much about Janemba, yes. he's a fun character because he's got an interesting moveset and he looks different. Mm-hmm. He, he plays and variety. looks very differently to any other character. He just adds some variety to that moveset. Mm-hmm. It's just that character select screen and it's not another fucking Goku. It's not another Saiyan. We were talking about like, there'd be so many interesting picks, and every one we said he just poo poo saying they don't have enough of a move set. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, really three special moves. Janemba in the film only fights in that form very briefly. Like yeah. for a lot of it, he's in that big giant yellow form. But they still went. You know what? He's got a couple of cool signature moves that we can build a base around. That's all you need. And I, I think, think like, like yeah, I want Zarbon. 
Yeah, um, Zarbon we said would be cool. Or uh, the one that I I pointed out that I'm really surprised isn't in the game is like Master Roshi. Oh, he should be in the game. Like either but, as like um, when he disguises himself as I think like Chen or Jack Chan or Chun. something. Yeah, Chun. Um, Chun, yeah, and then um, or just as both Roshi. Yeah, because we need another big character to make him a grappler. Yeah. Like give him the Mafuba, give him um, you know the ultimate Kamehameha, mm-hmm. and give him all that shit. Oh, I still want Hercule. Oh yeah, he's a martial artist. Videl's in it. Hercule can be in it. And I'd I love think. it to just be like, oh, every everything looks like it doesn't hurt until like the end of the animation, and then you just fly. Yeah, or like have make him a double team character with Mister Boo. Oh yeah, do something like that. You could yeah, because yeah. there's a oh no, Fat Boo is in the game, isn't he? Yeah, but you've got Android 17 in the game. And yeah, of course, yeah. You've got... It's so stupid. You can do Android 18 and 17 against Android 17, or just yeah, have two but... 17s. Yeah, or at which point, why not just have the um, uh, individual members of the Ginyu Force? Oh, yeah. I would love to play, I would love to play like two characters at once. I'd love Jason to play, Burr. yeah, Jason Burr as a duo. Um, also, like, uh, Goldo's got a really cool move set, because he's, but he can, like, Use um, like telekinesis, and he can freeze time. Freeze time. He literally like stops people in place. Like you could do so much cool stuff with that. Yeah, and our friends like no, but they don't really have a move set built around. They do. If you wanted to look into it, and also you need need five minutes of footage. This is a bunch of game developers that have been making fighting games for like what twenty years plus. Like they know what they're doing. They know how to make move sets work. Zabon. <laughs> but one like Pretty Boy Zarbon that yeah. just in his ultimate turns into like the the rage monster. But the annoying thing is though, because I was I played some Fighter Z um, a bit recently, so I was trying to get back into it, thinking, oh, I should make some combo videos again. Mm-hmm. And they had an up, a massive update a couple of months ago, and they changed how all the characters work. Some changes good, but Captain Ginyu, they completely shifted around the way he plays. Oh right, okay. The way his moveset works, but. Now nothing I do with the character makes sense. Is that because you're still trying to play him how you used to? Yeah, and all yeah. the timings are off, and they did it the same with Nappa, where they changed all the timings on his ice. So I can't play two of my favourite characters in the game now, because I don't want to relearn them from scratch. I was going to say, obviously, like you could sit there and invest the time in relearning them, but well, if it's that. to that point where you've already done that once, and you go back and nothing you do work, like you used to yeah. do works, that is a very frustrating feeling. So I can't do that, unfortunately. But yeah, it's a really good game. I feel like we've strayed a bit off topics. We've, you know, we need to talk about this fucking. We need to Paul just Phoenix. vent a bit about some fighting games, Carl. <laughs> about Paul Phoenix. So let's move it on to something people will give a shit about, and that is the recent news that happened as of developing now. In fact, yeah. So it's still all up in the air at the moment. We don't know, and that is Disney and Sony um, are Sony taking the ball going out. No Spider-Man in the MCU. It sounds like Fuck it. You. It really sounds like it's happening. What a stupid fucking decision. I um, can't wrap my almost, head around this. Almost immediately, the, the, the first thing I want to address is, as soon as this happened, I saw it when I know exactly what all those pseudo-intellectual like dickheads on the internet, like the, the searing hot takes that they're going to say are. Why are all these people supporting a giant monolithic company controlling yet another IP. Okay, I understand that. Yeah, to what I want to say, we are living in hell world right now. 
<laughs> this is something that people really enjoy, and it's something that many fans didn't think would ever happen. And no, they have I'm... seen their childhood, the things they grew up with, all realise on the big screen. And to see a company pettily taking it away is very frustrating. I, I admit that it's very frustrating. I also, however, admit Disney could have not like gone down the avenue of let give us more money because then that's obviously just pissing off Sony. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think Sony may be one of those companies that Disney can't just outright buy at the drop of a hat. No, they, they can't. <laughs> like, Sony's worth too much. But that's what makes it, that's what cracks me up about it. When mm. seeing that icon off, you shut like, oh, why are people calling for Disney? Of making, I try feeling sorry for Disney for not putting out of this when they already own everything in entertainment. Like, it's not that realize, I feel sorry for Disney. It's I feel sorry for people like me and you who were Spider Man fans that want to see this. Yeah, like yeah. especially the way they left it with Far From Home. Exactly, but it's, we can't talk about that. But it's just re- that sentiment really pissed me off. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is you sat there just smugly saying what everyone knows. That's not the point that's being made. The point that's being made here is. This is the culmination of 10 years of investment for fans. It's okay. It is understandable for them to feel upset by this because mm-hmm. it is something they weren't. It came out of the fucking blue. Oh, At yeah. At the same time, the Sony Corp- media conglomerate, multi- multinational media conglomerate, the Sony Corporation, isn't exactly a tiny company that is being bullied exactly, by Exactly, yeah. Yet. Also, they don't own the rights to Spider. They didn't make Spider-Man. So it's not like Disney's trying to buy them. It's very annoying because them. it's like they own Marvel and Marvel owns Spider-Man. Yeah, back well, in a, a, like the times when you know Marvel was seeing a bit of a struggle, and they did have to go, oh, here's like movie rights and stuff. So Sony owned like the movie and TV rights to a character that yes. Disney fucking own. And Disney just want to put in their films. Yeah, and now they can't. And obviously you can say, well, Disney shouldn't own Marvel, but then Marvel wouldn't be where it is today without, like, you know, the guiding hand and just the sheer, like, grunts, like, brute force push that Disney can give it was the amount of clout it has. Oh, exactly, yeah. Like, uh, Marvel, industry. before it got bought by Disney, was on the decline and we wouldn't have had the MCU. And that's why I got on a cheap book. Have you ever done any research into the background behind when Marvel sold up all its properties. Some of the stories are actually hilarious. I actually haven't, you know, I, all I was aware of is Marvel were in financial trouble, so to try and, they, like, gain some money back, they had to sell off rights. They sold out everything. Well, let's start with Spider-Man, which is, um, as a topic of day discussion, it's owned uh, the rights, the licensing rights to live-action versions of Spider-Man TV shows belong to Sony. The merchandising rights still belong to Marvel and now belong to Disney. Uh, um, the... Isn't it just film rights? Because they also put yes. out like the animated um, Into the Spider Verse yes, yeah. as well. Sony owns a live action, uh, basically they own film rights and TV rights, but not merchandising, which is yes. one of the reasons that Disney doesn't really have a bargaining chip with Sony. Mm-hmm. Because Sony don't lose any money by being taken out of the MCU. They can still make another Spider Man movie. Yeah, yeah. It's so pop culturally relevant that it will still make about $800 million at the box office. Like Venom made $800 million yes. without being pushed by the MCU. Um, Into the Spider Verse made. Not much dollars. money. It made a lot. It made a lot on its budget, though. Um, yeah, it, it did. To be fair, but in comparison to a lot of the other, like Spider-Man and MCU films, it didn't yeah. make that much money. Even it though was it was still, phenomenal, it was still very, very popular. It made a lot of money. It got a lot. You got to say, it got an Oscar. 
mm-hmm. there's a lot of like critical quality behind that. Like Sony don't really have, like, and Disney don't really have much bargaining when it comes to that. So they can still sell Spider-Man merchandise, but Sony can make as many films as it wants. And the reason that they have that is because in I think it's the nineties, Marvel approached them and said, "Do you want to buy Spider?" They said, "Do you want to buy the Avengers?" Oh, okay. The Avengers. Yeah. And everything that the Avengers, like everything in all the Avengers, and I think it's like ten million dollars or something, some crazy wow. ridiculous price, like compared to the value of the IP today. Mm-hmm. And Sony turned around and said, "Nah, no one gives a shit about Thor and Iron Man and <laughs> Captain America. We'll just buy Spider Man." Mm-hmm. And they bought Spider Man under the terms of a deal, which were incredibly generous, and is not a deal you would ever get today on anything Marvel owns. Oh yeah. Is um, if they make a live action movie, as long as a live action movie or a movie is in production, they get to hold on to the rights. Yes, and, and, and um, when the if, option comes if, up, yeah. if a movie is made within X amount of years, they retain that right, which is why you see absolute crapshoots like the Fantastic Four film that came out not yeah. long ago. We can talk about that in a second because that's oh, yeah. owned by, that was owned by Fox. That um, was owned by Fox, yeah. Sony as like Stan's own every character ever introduced in a Spider-Man comic specifically. Yes. They own the, and it's why they did the Venom movie because they own Venom. Mm-hmm. And they own the Sinister Six and it's why they try to push the Sinister Six expanded universe in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, because that's all they had. Yeah, because they can do anything they want in the Spider-Man and they wanted to create their own Spider-Verse to go in tandem with the MCU and they start like, taking off it failed and then they got that deal with Disney mm-hmm. which I think was likened to a, cust- a custody agreement basically yeah and it was Sony produced the movies but Disney gets to have input and then use the character in the MCU but only under Sony's direct supervision it and was a bit whole... of like they, the Sony is like, on production side um, and then like Marvel gets to use him in MCU films, but Sony technically like produces the um, solo films themselves. Yeah, and they get to keep basically the lion's share of the profits, and Disney gets a Spider-Man. Yeah, they yeah. Put, so they can put him in Avengers, but Sony gets to make. Spider-Man this is where it broke down because apparently Disney wanted to have a fifty-fifty split now that they've established Spider-Man as a successful MCU protagonist. Yeah, which but is, Sony just went, no, we have a deal where we get all the money. Yeah, um, they're not. They're, you'd be stupid to walk away from that deal. So I can see why they're coming from. Like, oh, you want? I think it's five percent they had originally. So you want to? We want to so give you ten times the amount <laughs> of giving you now, and we get what in return exactly? They get nothing, but they know as soon as they take away Spider Man, they can still go as you say, make a lot of money by themselves because they still have Tom Holland wrote in for another two movies. And they just generally have the IP of Spider-Man, which also, holds to, a shit ton of clout. And they get to fuck over the MCU, which is mm-hmm. probably a, which is, could be direct competition to that Spider-Man movie, because they were setting Spider-Man to be like the next Avenger, yeah. and perhaps lead the charge. He's the most memorable character from, and it's oh man, it's a huge legal hustle, and because it's unfolding, we can't really do anything but speculate. So it's, go back a bit and go to Fox, because mm-hmm. this deal is even fucking funnier. Because similar to the, with the Spider-Man deal, um, in, I think in the 1990s, a guy, it was a German producer, I think it's Bert Einsinger or something like that. Oh, okay. I saying, but he's dead now. He's a German film producer who wanted to make a fantastic form in there. He went to Stan Lee himself, mm. talked to him, got the blessing of like, you know, the, man, like, uh, the big man, uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Lee, and got the rights and then didn't. 
because it turned out that they accidentally sold the rights or they accidentally licensed the rights to Johnny Blake, no, Johnny Storm on his own, the Human Torch. Oh, no. <laughs> to, to, to Paramount for a cartoon that they never made. Oh, and obviously, what? when they never made it, they turned the deal, it reverted back to uh, Marvel again. And then they had the entirety of the Fantastic Four. So, Marvel were happy to license out a single character from a team of characters. That's how desperate yeah. they were. This mm-hmm. guy got the Fantastic Four rights. And not just the Fantastic Four rights, everything they ever introduced in the Fantastic Four comic. Oh, okay. Included every, like, basically cosmological entity in the Marvel Universe. So, like, Galactus and all that stuff. Also, all the villains, all the stories. Yeah, of course. Every storyline, every character. And what that guy did is... um, Are you familiar with the 1994 Fantastic Four movie? Um... I've never watched it, but is this the really super low budget one? Yeah, so the, yeah. this is a legend in the film. It's never been released, so anyone doesn't know him. This guy, he did plan to make a bombastic superhero spectacle, but he couldn't get funding for it. Uh, no, right, at the okay. time, it's like no one's going to. He wanted, I think it's like $30 million budget, which today is fucking nothing, but back then was crazy to ask for for this superhero movie for these characters no one gives a shit about i mean just give me one second because let's uh pull up i know one very small budget movie was deadpool so we'll have a look at deadpool movie budget just as a little bit of a comparison yeah i think it was um, around 30 million dollars off no i mean so it was between 30 and 60 million dollars the asphalt so deadpool made like what 20 years later yeah. had a budget of 58 million dollars and that was considered a very low budget superhero film so with um, inflation, call it a hundred million. Mm-hmm. Let's say so a, an absorbent amount of money at the time, but not today because the movie prices has gone up. And no studio will give it to him, and he was on the cusp of losing the rights because the deal with the same one that Sony has, where if you don't make a movie or a movie's not in production, the rights go back to Marvel. Yeah, yeah. And what this guy did is he sat down and he went, "We never said I had to make a big movie, just make a movie." <laughs> And what he did is he, and he begged, borrowed, and stealed a million dollars, mm-hmm. I believe it was. And he got Roger Corman, who is a very famous B-movie um, auteur, I'd say. He's, he's, like, he's the B-movie king. Oh, okay. Like, he yeah. is the fucking... If you want to make a movie on the cheap, you get this fucking guy. <laughs> like, actors. And the plan was, we're going to make this fucking movie as cheap as possible, shit it out in the cinemas and hold on to the rights for another seven years. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then once we've got... And uh, then, maybe we'll be able, in seven years, try and get the budget again. Yeah, exactly. We might um, actually have everything set up within the next, like, five years afterwards to actually yeah. go ahead and make the movie I want I've got to. another. I've got another five years to do this. And there's a great conversation I had between Roger Corman and this German guy where mm-hmm. he said, uh, if, because he said, oh, the rights will revert to Marvel on... Saying like 1994 on the 1st of January. Oh, yeah. And he said, okay, what I want to do is start producing the movie on the 30th of December. No, the 31st of December. <laughs> no, the 31st of December. Uh, and he said, well, does that make it too obvious that I'm trying to do this just to make the rights? Mm. Should we do it a week earlier? And Roger Corman said to him, it's going to be obvious no matter when we film it. So they compromised <laughs> and did it on the day in between. Like They sat for it on the 28th. Oh, God. And they made this budget on the cheap. And here's where things get interesting because nobody is really quite sure if the movie was ever planned to see the light of day because nobody working on the movie seems to have thought that. Oh, right, okay. Because if you actually watch it, and on, I think on IMDb, the unreleased 1994 like, Fantastic Four movie has a higher rating 
than both Rise of the Silver Surfer, like the one with Chris Evans, and the Rise of the Silver Surfer, and the Fantastic Four reboot again. <laughs> oh my god. Because all the actors tried their fucking hearts out. They all read the comic books. Yeah, yeah. Um, they made the costumes, and I think one of the most amazing details is that the guy who played the thing, mm-hmm. like played the thing, he shadowed the actor who was playing Benjamin Grimm in his human form. Oh, right, so okay. He could, so he could copy the way he walked. Wow. To make it believable that they were the same character. Mm-hmm. After production rats, like this director, like he pieced out. He didn't oh, yeah, know totally. what he was doing. The actors promoted the film on their own. They stole the costumes from production. They went to <laughs> Comic Con. They signed stuff. The sound engineers um, did pay their own money to have a score done. The editors stole the stole the original like no master film, spliced in stock footage they had from other movies to oh pad it out to the full length. No. And then they then they worked with the actors to get a screening in like a Minnesota Mall of America or some <laughs> shit like that. And on the day they got posters made and on the day it was set to air, they got a phone call from Marvel saying, uh, we're pulling this from the cinema. We want all your tapes. Oh wow. And a guy okay. in a suit came in and took all the film and all the tapes and burned them all. What? And so and apparently like a couple of like work prints managed to get out into the wild and mm-hmm. maybe disseminate online and that's the version you can download and watch today and it turns out after the fact it's uh is it rv Aryavad? Aryavad, yeah that's right he's a big dick marvel executive uh, yeah that sounds right heard about how bad it was and went oh no this will damage the marvel brand so he bought it from that german guy wow. specifically for the purpose of just burying it <laughs> so the german guy got all his money back yeah yeah of course and then Got to get hold of the rights for the seven years. And he was actually the producer on the 2001 or whatever it was, um, Fantastic Four movie. 2005 one, yeah. That's what, yeah, he was the producer on that. Because he's so got his, like, he's got his fingers in a lot of the, like, Sony Fox pies when it comes yeah. to the, um, the Marvel well, stuff. Well, no, what I mean is that the German guy, he was the producer on it. Oh, so okay. He did, he did, I thought he you did meant get it. to make the bombastic CGI spectacle he wanted. Fair enough. Eventually. And it's yeah. got a worse, it's got a worse IMDb rating. And like overall critical response, it was worse than the one that he shelved and sold for. <laughs> oh man, they, they isn't that an amazing story though? Yeah, to be fair, like uh, the actors all, fucking grafted. Uh, all ways you can like shoddily retain movie rights. That is a good one, isn't it? It is. But that's the thing when that guy he just pieced out, and the actors didn't realise that he didn't give a fuck. <laughs> So they tried to get the movie made. Like I said they kept the costume to Comic Con. They like posed for photos in like magazines, mm. saying, "Look, look at this movie that's been out." We should probably tell people. I think Roger Corman even got a trailer and put it onto one of the other B movies that he made that year. And oh, put wow. the trailer on the pre-reel of the tape, saying, "Go watch the Fantastic Four in cinema soon." <laughs> it just never got the opportunity and it to. Never, and it never got released. Thing is, like, I just. Respect like the hustle of the actors to go. You know what? This could be our opportunity to like break out, and then it's just something that never was intended and they to have be. No anything. idea, and that's what I find so fascinating about that story. Because would you that... not just be straight with them? Well, well, that's the thing. The story is that no one really knows. I think the German guy. I've got to forget his name. I think it's that Bernard. I'm gonna look up his name now. Mm-hmm. Because I feel bad calling him that German guy when he, he actually <laughs> was a very well respected. So I think it's uh, Bernd Eichinger. Just double check. 
Yeah, that is it. Yeah, it's a Bernard Eichinger. So that's his name. Oh, okay. And he did like the characters, and the reason that he tried to like, you know throw this movie out there on the cheap. Yeah, because yeah. he wanted to like, you know, realise a big bombastic version of it for the big screen and he couldn't have the ability to do so. And he sat on the rights for like, another decade <laughs> he had the opportunity to do that and he did it and it was shit but he did it, he managed to realise his vision with all the CGI spectacle that he wanted. I mean, to be fair, if you're going to do it, he managed it. Like, he made it happen. But isn't that weird though that the rights yeah. were given in that way? Oh yeah, so weird. And obviously, like, that's the reason that Sony will never, ever give up Spider-Man. Yeah, because they've because got way too much to lose. Well, they've got the, one of the most valuable pieces of intellectual property on the planet, and potentially the most favourable possible terms. And all you have to do is shit out a movie every mm-hmm. seven years, and you get to in perpetuity hold on to this piece of like you know this pe- this character. Oh, yeah. You get to hold Spider-Man You get to do what no villain has ever done <laughs> and beat Spider-Man. Oh, God. The thing is, well, like, that not all of the films that they've made have been bad. Like, as we've said, Into the Spider-Verse was very That's good. good ones, yeah. But I would personally say that the best rendition has been the MCU version. Yeah, I do like the idea someone had, though, of just say, Marvel says, fuck it, we're going to have rehire Tom Holland and just say he's a character called Peter... And make him the new Iron Man. <laughs> just put him in and just retcon it and say he was yeah. Iron Man all along. Oh god, it's just such a shit show. I mean, as we say, we we don't know what this is going to end as, and so I would say, developing. I would say, from like my perspective, with the amount of money Disney has, just throw money at Sony until they give you like the chance to keep this character. Yeah, the, don't as give I up. Earlier, they have no bargaining line. chip. Yeah, beyond public um, goodwill. Mm-hmm. Of, and there's like a lot of like rumours flying around, oh, Disney leaked this as like, you know, a way to leverage Sony. And look what you're doing. Look what you're doing to the fans. You're upsetting the fans, then obviously... Look what you're fans. doing to the fans. Give us 45% more of a cut. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And I, I am interested in seeing how that story plays out. It's just a very interesting one because like delving into the background of the, the deals that Marvel made and how they are still continuing to fuck over. Uh, like it's one of the reasons it's like Disney bought Fox. They spent mm-hmm. five billion fucking dollars buying Fox in part just to get the X Men back. <laughs> because they were never gonna sell them. Which why would you? No. We've got the X Men forever. No, that's what I mean though. Like Sony's too big a company to do that too, because just look at the success of like the PlayStation division of Sony on its own, yeah. let alone everything else sell. that Sony owns. They could buy Sony Pictures potentially, but there's no fucking way they don't do that. Nah, there's no it's way crazy. that Sony are in a position where they need to do that. It's so baffling to me that they've sold off everything. And then you don't even remember like, all the shitty ones I got sold. I think that Swamp Thing got sold to some random company. Uh, oh, no, that's DC Swamp Thing. Oh, no, what's the other one? There's, there is another one that someone random person knows. Maybe it's uh, I know the Hulk was Universal. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And Universal have the same deal where if they want to make a standalone Hulk movie, mm-hmm. they have to have first dibs on it, which is why the Hulk won't ever get a standalone movie again. Yep. Ghost Rider is owned by another company. Blade is owned by uh, another company. Ghost Rider and Blade may have both been Fox. Yeah, so they've got back now. Oh, Blade, I think, might have actually been Warner Brothers, potentially. It's crazy. Yeah, I think Blade and Ghost Rider could have been Warner Brothers. It's just no, like it's again. We can Google this. Companies. We can. We can. We can oh. fact check. Because there will be a graph that someone made. It's the handy infographic. 
Here we go. Who owns what Marvel characters? It's an infographic with a video that obviously plays at the top of the screen because foot length. I just want to click on the graphic. I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> I hate this shit. Oh, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, so Universal Pictures has She-Hulk, Namor, General Ross, all the Hulk stuff. Sony oh, Pictures yeah. has all the Spider-Man stuff. Mm-hmm. Mar- and then Disney. Oh, it's, it's, it's been simplified since it was uh, a bit earlier. Oh, yeah, but it was very splintered. Like Yeah, it was, they've managed to slowly claw everything back. So let's but, have a little look at what the, the, the Blade and Ghost, um, Ghost Rider movies were. Yeah, I think uh, who they were produced by. Um, I remember how um, much they had to hustle mm-hmm. to get... Oh, what the fuck is it now? It's a Negasonic Teenage Warhead in Fox. Oh, really? What they did, because Negasonic Teenage Warhead, they picked the character because of the name. Oh, yeah, of course. Because they found the name very... Like, they like the name, but the power set of the character in the comics isn't very interesting. Mm-hmm. She can like control time or something. Like, no, no, we want this other character's powers. When that character happens to be owned by a, it's a, it's a character that belonged to Marvel, so Disney. And what they said, oh, right, can, okay. we, can we use this character's power? And mm-hmm. Disney said yes, but if you let us use Ego the Living Planet. Oh uh, right, okay. Ego the Living Planet was still owned by them, and they swapped that over. Yeah, of course, yeah. And they like, swapped the two characters and said, you can have this character's power and rename them if you want, if we can use Ego. <laughs> because they wanted to put Ego in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, God. Isn't it's that just fucking like... stupid? Yeah, it's just... Oh, I can't get over all of this. It's just like so many times like different Marvel entities have just been actually completely fucked with just for the sake of like movie rights and stuff like that and like obviously oh. someone like teenager um, negasonic warhead uh, is just like oh that's a stupid name for deadpool to poke fun at yeah who gives a stuff fuck about like this character yeah yeah exactly but that's the thing like they weren't just they didn't just sell negasonic teenage warhead. like when they sold the x-men they sold the very concept of mutants mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like a big deal until obviously marvel rolled around like marvel the mcu and they realised, oh shit, we own Quicksilver and the like Scarlet Witch, but we can't say the mutants. Oh, they were like the concept of mutants belongs to Fox. They couldn't use the actual word mutant. Um, no, what yeah, were they that, called? Like specials or something? Yes. I can't remember. And they're all in like Agents of Shield, where they can't. They're meta humans. Yeah, of they course. Yeah. Call, that where obviously if they own the rights, they'd be mutants, and that would be the next Men series. Because there was some like shared rights of um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver yeah, who were introduced in different comics. It's so it's fascinating. I would love if there's like a two-hour breakdown by an actual real lawyer to watch <laughs> on this, and not just some dickhead with a beard on YouTube who's reading from a Wikipedia page, or like us half remembering it in a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Just going, oh, I think this happened, and this. Yeah. Oh. I definitely that Fantastic Four story. I've researched that in depth for an article once. It's because it's so fascinating. Just mm-hmm. to hear the behind-the-scenes stuff of how they got fucked over, like those poor actors who thought it's going to be their big break. And I, um, like, I cut and run. Yeah, he's just like, "Oh, fuck you all! I'm not, I'm not helping you guys out." It's like imagine getting that job and thinking, like, "Oh, I'm starring in a Fantastic Four film." Like, "Oh, that's great." And then it turns out it was literally just like to shit out a movie. It's a cash grab. That we <laughs> yeah. I'm not even and sure it classes as a cash grab. If they didn't get to release it in cinema. That's the thing, they were going to... Like, the, yeah, I don't yeah. know if they were. 
But well, I know that that guy bought it. Mm-hmm. He bought it just to shelve it. Yeah. And it's thought that there's that bird hiding, and he's realised, well, I can make, I could release it and make no money. Or yeah. I could sell it and make a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. It's better to make a little bit of money than make no money. I would lose money. Yeah, yeah. And you can't fault him for that, but it's just, oh, you, you could have told his actors. Yeah, right. <laughs> Poor guys, like stealing the costumes, going to Comic Con, signing autographs, doing interviews. Putting so much like time investment into this fucking film that just got just shot. Getting out. Just radio silence from this guy while all this graft gets done. <laughs> I know. On the bus side, though. Um, oh, I was going to say for context, though. Okay. Uh, Blade was New Line Cinema on a. Uh, Ghost Rider was Columbia Pictures, so it shows yeah, yeah. how many fucking things got owned by different people. Yeah, and uh, they've now been bought out, and obviously Marvel owns them again. Mm-hmm. And it's okay though if Sony gets to hold on to Spider Man. Do you know who is the head of Sony Pictures at the moment? Is uh no, I'm thinking of the wrong guy, but go ahead. It's uh, Tom Rathman, I believe. Well, okay. And do you know why that name's important? Do you know no. What you did before heading up Sony Pictures, no. He headed up Fox, their movie division. Oh uh, right, okay. And he, and he oversaw the production of all the X Men movies. And do you know oh, what movie no. he repeatedly poo pooed when it was brought to him and pitched to him? The Deadpool movie. Oh no. He's the guy who shelved it and said oh. this will never be made. No one likes this character. Go away, Ryan Reynolds. And oh, do you know what God. else he did? He used like he executive meddled. The mm-hmm. shit out of X Men Origins Wolverine, and he is the literal reason, the only reason why Deadpool had his mouth sound shut. Oh no! That is the one thing he insisted upon for the characters to be included in that movie. <sighs> so yeah, Spider Man is going to be in my hands at Sony. Really looking forward to like Spider Man and Carnage under the like. Watch the all-seeing eye of a person who doesn't think Deadpool would work. And it's really great. It's on the Wikipedia article, this like detailing his career, it says he's infamously known as the guy who said that Deadpool, a character known in the comics as the Merc with a mouth, should never speak. <laughs> it's just, oh, what a fucking idiot. He's I, a moron. I originally thought you were going to talk about um, Avi Arad, oh, that guy's as we mentioned about. earlier. He's and... the guy who's obsessed with Venom. He's the producer on a lot of these, like Sony Spider-Man films, isn't he? Yeah, he he's the one who Venom. got um, Venom forced into Spider-Man Three, I believe. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that because that's actually a funny story as well? So that guy is obsessed with Venom. Yes. And in Spider-Man Three, Sam Raimi said, "I don't want it to be Venom. Mm-hmm. I want to like, do this Sandman story." And then Avi Arad is that, your, is that your name? Avi Arad, yeah. Yeah, Avi Arad's like no Venom though. Yeah, um, like, Sam put Raimi, Venom in this film. Sam Raimi very um, like, I guess smartly pointed out that Venom is a character very hard to realise in live action because he's a character defined by his physicality. Mm-hmm. He's a very large, imposing character. The CGI we have cannot realise a character like this. And as well, like if you watch any what cartoon or video game with Venom done properly, like. Think of all like the shape shifting he does and stuff yeah. like this. It's yeah, very difficult to do. And he says, "Oh, he's a very scary character because he eats people." Yes. Further kind of tone that I want to set for this movie and Arya Rad. No, put him in. Mm-hmm. Venom though, I love Venom. And then he's sitting there. Like, okay, okay. Well, what we need though, we need a big imposing actor to play Venom. Because Eddie Brock is a fucking bodybuilder. 
Oh, how about, like, how about Topher Grace, that kid from that 90s show? Oh, oh, sorry, that 70s show. Yeah, yeah. And made it him. And Sam Raimi's like, please no, can I at least go hire my own actors? Like, no, put him in, he's Venom now. Put oh, Venom God. in your movie, and that's why I had three villains. And I still don't understand uh, what his excuse for the awful Green Goblin is. <laughs> but that's the, that's the reason that Venom is just so blatantly, like, rammed into that movie. When he clear, he's not even though it's a complete byproduct of the movie, and it wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to be there, because that was supposed to be like a four movie arc, and we never got the conclusion to the fourth movie. Yeah, yeah. and because um, Sam Raimi always said that he was intrigued by Venom, but like a didn't want him in Spider Man three, and if he did put him in a movie, it would be like a movie dedicated to Venom, I believe. Yes, he wanted a, a an actual proper Spider Man movie, so we have mm-hmm. here. Because uh, I've got the page here where we talk about it, and we get to find oh, okay, yeah. about. So um, this is on the Spider-Man wiki. It's a Spider-Man Four Castle film. The planned sequel to Spider-Man Three, and what would have been the fourth film, is certainly pictures Spider-Man film series. Mm-hmm. Slated to be released on May 6, twenty eleven. Despite the lukewarm family second half, its impressive box office score convinced Sony to attempt to make a fourth film. And it was uh, development began in two thousand eight with Raimi attached to direct, and the core cast of the previous films agreed to return. Raimi discussed, uh, dismissed the rumours that all three films would be made. Uh, uh, he said confirming that only four were under development. So I'm presuming they were trying to get another three films out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sony hired Jane Vanderbilt to pen the screenplay, and David Cope, uh, the writer of the first film. So, yeah, so got some pretty solid, decent scriptwriters in to do it. Mm-hmm. On the subject of the villains, Raimi considered showcasing the transformation of Dr. Kirk Connors into the lizard. Yeah. We had the lizard because he set up um, the guy. Dr. Connors in the movie. He did, yeah. Well, it wouldn't have been as as like awful as it was in a you know the Amazing Spider-Man. And what we had as well, this is, this is great. Um, Bruce Campbell, who's had cameos in the movie, was uh, going to have a more significant role. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that Bruce Campbell is the voice of like you know the announcer in all of the Spider-Man movie, in all the Spider-Man games, isn't he? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. yeah he's the guy who does all the voices. Of, mm-hmm. like, he's, he's the announcer in those games. Let's put him in. And they were also going to have John Malkovich to play the Vulture. Oh, man. Uh, and he would have played a fucking great Vulture. But Michael yeah, King that would have been cool to see. And then Anne Hathaway playing Black Cat. Anne Hathaway <laughs> to play Catwoman yeah. in Spider-Man. It's oh, just, man. Yeah. And, and um, he's, he's yeah. the script. Yeah. And I, th- I think, like, Spider-Man 3, the way it turned out, it wouldn't have been smart to do a fourth one, uh, with all like how awful that movie movie turned out in the end. But yeah. just as well, um, apparently Avi Arad is like really bad for um, micromanaging. Him. Yeah, but he apparently tries to get a like a lot of um, different characters and like costumes and stuff in every single film because he is also like. Um, the CEO of a toy company, so he tries <laughs> to push. He tries to push as many different variations of like characters into each film that he produces, so that he has more merchandise to sell for his toy company. Oh, you kind of have to respect that. He's um the CEO that, of company Toy Biz, and that explains it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Why Spider Man got the black suit? Yeah, yeah. Because then you get to sell two versions of Spider Man. Exactly. And they also, like, in the first one, for example, they would sell, like, Spider-Man and destroyed suit Spider-Man. Yeah. And stuff like this. So it's not just poor creative decisions. Poor creative decisions 
driven by merchandise because he owns the fucking merchandise. That's almost like the prequel trilogy in Star Wars, isn't it? Where it was almost entirely driven by fucking merchandise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where there's every character, everything about it was done. And, and it's probably a good thing it went to Disney, isn't it? I mean, the king of merchandise. Oh, man. And then you have like, the new one where BB-8 came out. Oh, yeah. Of course, you can buy like a remote control BB-8. But did you um have you ever seen like old merchandise for like the um, original Star Wars trilogy though? Because oh, yeah, it sucked. It, it sold no, out no, but more, not just that it sucked. It, like every single character that you didn't even get named on screen in the entire trilogy gets merchandise. Yeah, like you know what my favorite one of them is. What do you know who actually got merch? And this is a real piece of merch. I can go look it up. Um, do you know the guy that Darth Vader uh, Force chose? Oh, yeah. You could buy a toy of him. Yeah. But he doesn't come with Darth Vader, so you have to buy Darth Vader separately. <laughs> and that toy, if you're in Toy Story, when they've, mm. all got, like, they've got lives. Oh, yeah. That toy's existence is just pure agony because he exists to be strangled. <laughs> he exists to be tortured. It's the like, one thing that he exists to do is get strangled by Darth Vader that doesn't in, come included. It's in that, in, he was in the Toy Story universe, that toy's life is just an unending saw esque nightmare. So what would be worse, like, knowing that your existence is to be choked and being choked all of the time, or the fact that, like, your mum bought that you're the doll and then he never gets the Darth Vader and his (laughs) his life purpose is actually never fulfilled? Oh, you're saying that he's masochistic and he wants to be choked. (laughs) Yeah, like, what if he knows that his, like, one thing in life is to be choked by Darth Vader? never finds a Darth Vader. Oh, he's saying he's like the sandbag in Smash. Yeah. <laughs> where he likes being hit. And when yeah. he's not being hit, he's, he's not happy. Because like, I'd love the idea of that even more than he just gets strangled and doesn't like it. He gets he wants to be strangled, but never, never does. does. The kid or the kid who plays him is too nice, and he plays Darth yeah. Vader as a nice guy. He just like puts him in the uh, like in a little office somewhere and just... Darth Vader's fighting Luke Skywalker instead of strangling this poor guy. Yeah, oh, he puts him on a shelf somewhere and never plays with him. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. It's all oh, that. That film series is just so depressing when you, like, just explore the wider connotations. Obviously, Andy cares for his toys. Andy loves his toys. Oh, yeah, but, like, he look at Sid, toys. for example. But even then, Sid, that poor kid, his only crime in that universe is, um, you know, he's, he's, he's obviously, he comes from a home that's not very good. Oh, yeah, yeah, It's clear that his family doesn't have very much money. Mm-hmm. And what he does is he finds his own fun by, by, you know, taking apart his toys and building new toys with them. But also, and, you know, blowing them up. Yeah, but at the same time, that shows, that his ability, his engineering, that shows initiative, that shows curiosity. Oh, yeah, it's still, like, that... a, a use of his imagination and things like this. But... Yeah, it's the, exact same, it's the exact thing toys are supposed to be for, like, you know, for the child to expand oh. their imagination. And when he doesn't he know that they have like they are sentient beings, yes, but from the toys' perspective, yes, of their all just being torn apart and blown up, but I can is, see that point. See, but he isn't aware of that. He doesn't realize yeah, yeah. he's torturing sentient beings. He's playing with the toys that he owns. Mm-hmm. The only way he feels like you know is an output for his very clear, like you know, destructive, like emotionally turbulent home. Mm-hmm. It's how he acts out against these to- these inanimate objects that, as far as he's concerned, are built for that purpose. Yeah, exactly. And how does he get rewarded by being psychologically traumatised for the rest of his life? Yeah. And you know what? To be fair, Toy Story 3, 
He's a garbage man and he looks happy with his job. That's a good job. It's a union gig. That's eighty thousand yeah. dollars a year. You know, he's, he's just nice. like gets to listen to his own music and he, he's like drumming away and seems to be enjoying himself. There's a really cool head cannon I saw about that. That fan came up with. Mm. Is that the fan theory is that he became a garbage man so he can collect broken toys out of the garbage and repair them. Oh my god! And that's not been confirmed, but I like that theory. So I want to like you know I think it's I'm going to imagine that it's true. Yeah, that's that's, cool that's how I want to see his life in my head now. Like, yeah, that's that's a cool idea. Because, because he goes home and he, he fetches the broken toys out of the garbage, he fixes them because he knows they're alive, and he just gives them a wink, and then he goes and like you now puts them on his shelf somewhere. Just wait for when like Toy Story eighteen comes out, and that's the short film before the Pixar movie. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But uh, one thing a friend of mine pointed out when we were out and about. They said, I think it's great how the plot of Toy Story 4 is that anything could be a toy. And then, like, this little girl makes a spoon and puts, like, some king pulls on it and it's a, it's a toy now. Oh, see, I've seen that, but I haven't seen the film yet. Okay, that's the trailer. And that Dis- mm-hmm. uh, Disney sell just versions of that toy. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> is like, Disney merchandise a toy that was made out of, like, a plastic spoon and some pipe cleaner and yeah, some googly just- eyes. They sell it. They didn't even yeah. sell the spoon and the pipe cleaner separate. No. <laughs> so, no. Yeah, the film's all like using your imagination because anything could be a toy. Here's the merchandise. Fuck you, play with the toy exactly as is and don't change it. <laughs> it's Disney merchandise now. Yep. Oh, it's like the one of... Um, I think I mentioned it before on the podcast or maybe in a video mm. where Disney sell like official Mr. Potato Heads. Oh, and yeah. The point of Mr. Potato Head is that he's supposed to like take his eyes out and mm-hmm. swap them for other stuff. They sell Mr. Potato Head merchandise. Where you can't accessorize or change the way he looks. Oh, he right, okay. Also, he has to look like he does in the movie. The movie version of Mr. Yeah, Potato. Yeah, so there's just versions of Mr. Potato Head that aren't customizable. Oh, wow. Just See, I love the version of, um, if you go to Disneyland, there's like a build your own Mr. Potato Head section. Do they have, do they have a zucchini? Uh, I don't think so. Do they have zucchini Mr. Potato Head? Because that is amazing. Mm, but like, um, it is just. Oh, here's the base Mr. Potato Head. And then you get like a big selection. It's like going into like the Lego shop where there's all the different bricks. It's like that, but just like dozens of different Mr. Potato Head parts oh, for you to customize. Light, so then you give him a lightsaber and the Millennium Falcon. Oh, that would be cool. And you give him everything and just make him the most powerful warlord who's ever lived. That's one thing that I'm really like. I really don't know how we haven't seen that more crossover merchandise. I, I know the reason for this. Disney Is it. They Is it due to the fact of, like, weakening the brand of the characters? No, Disney fucking hates that. And the best example that springs to mind of just showcasing how petty they are when it comes to it is Disney Princess merchandise. Oh, uh, okay. They're all Disney Princess merchandise. They don't advertise it. Mm-hmm. They don't, because they believe that strongly in the core of the brand. They say Disney oh, okay. Princess merchandise, it's like, we know what we're doing. It's a brand that's so powerful, we don't need to advertise it or do any market research. Mm-hmm. And, it, and apparently it all came about because a executive for Nike went to a Disney on Ice show and saw that every little girl in the audience was wearing a, a homemade Ariel or Belle costume. Oh, uh, right, okay, And he yeah. said, why don't we sell these? Mm-hmm. It seems like a huge gap in the market we could easily fulfill that would, there's clearly a market for. Oh, yeah, he totally. Went to a, he went to a Disney executive and went, why don't you sell Disney Princess merchandise? And we don't want to. We don't want to, like, you know, we can cheapen the brand by selling merchandise for it. You know, but it's so popular. You're basically you're leaving money on the table by not doing this. You're Disney. 
this is not the way you operate. But and they what, do sell them. They do they sell do like now. the dresses. They do now. Okay. And what happened was this Disney exec, uh, this executive for Nike, who Disney hired, had mm. to give a big presentation to the bigwigs and convince them that the Disney princesses you should sell merchandise for them. And there's, oh, right, okay, there's a couple yeah. of stipulations that are hilarious to me. One mm. of which is that on all official Disney princess merchandise, none of the princesses can make eye contact. <laughs> and that is to uh, protect their brand. And their There's like individual brand. characters, is that? Yes. Yeah. Because they don't want to acknowledge, they don't want them acknowledging each other. So but you then you've got Wreck It Ralph too. Yes. And again, apparently there was a Disney executive over their shoulders during that entire scene. Oh, uh, right. Okay. I'm not surprised. Making... But, like, to be fair as well, that's them in, like, a specific fake setting where yeah. it acknowledges these are not the real Disney princesses. These are none of representations. Them, yeah. They are, like, all in casual clothes, so none of them are in their actual Disney, like, movie outfits as well. Yeah. They are all, like, fictionalised versions of Disney princesses. Yeah, and none of them have to go off-model or anything like that, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are not allowed to look at each other on a specific Disney merchandise. And there's a really telling part in this um, great rundown of how it came to be, where they say they even went as far to redesign all the dresses and the colour schemes of the characters. So every character, every Disney princess has their own distinct colour scheme. Yeah, yeah. And this is the rumoured reason why... Um, uh, who's it now? Who's the Frozen Girl? Elsa. Elsa, yeah. It's why she's not an official Disney princess. Just mm-hmm. because there's already a blue Disney princess. It's like Jasmine, I believe. Yeah, that's they are that petty. They will mm-hmm. not let Elsa reportedly be an official Disney princess because then she'd have to appear alongside the other blue princess. Oh, well. And I think it's hilarious that they, they're so simultaneously so confident mm-hmm. yet so fearful of losing their brand. Like they're so confident that their brand is strong enough to be recognised worldwide without advertising, but they won't allow another blue princess into the fold. And I think as well, they've all got like specific, different like colour blues and stuff. Yeah, that's the one. It's, uh, I think it's is it Belle? Uh, or Cinderella. It's Cinderella. So it? Cinderella and um, Princess Cinderella. Aurora both have blue dresses, but they're very different colour blues. Yeah, and Cinderella had blonde hair. Uh, so does Aurora. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Who's Aurora? Um, Sleeping Beauty. Oh, okay. Thought Sleeping Beauty was brunette. No, no. Fuck's sake, it looks. I've not. I don't know my Disney princesses, but I just think that's really funny. Where they won't um, put, or the rumours they won't put Elsa into uh, the fold as a Disney princess because there's already a blue princess with blonde hair. Okay, so Cinderella is um, white dress. It's ah, like it's a very very like pale blue slash white dress. There it is. Um, whereas Aurora is like a deep blue, and Jasmine has like a very light blue. So all of the different like kind of distinct different blue shades are all yeah. taken. And then you have uh, obviously that's why Princess Jasmine could become one. She's green. And there wasn't really a green princess representative, and mm. that to me is fucking hilarious. Just they've got oh, to yeah. do it. Because there's obviously there's been the push, hasn't there? Now you own everything. Why isn't uh, Princess Leia a Disney princess? Oh, yeah. And as much as people would want that, Disney will never do it because they are so paranoid and protective of this brand. They will not even let them look each other in the fucking eye on merchandise. <laughs> which, 
to me, is even funnier because it makes every princess look like an asshole. Oh, yeah. It makes them look so narcissistic they won't even look the person in front of them in the eye. <laughs> I wonder if there's just like a built-in thing where if you buy like two Disney princess dolls and try to get them to face each You've other. Got, like magnets in the head. <laughs> yeah, their heads just <laughs> like turn magnets, away. So they constantly <laughs> turn away. Like snooty girls at a party who used to date the same guy or something. <laughs> Refuse to look each other in the eye. Catfight Disney Princess action game made by Platinum. Let's go. We've just got to like get twelve of them all in a ring and see what happens. Perpetual motion. Yeah. Perpetual fucking motion. Can never stop. <laughs> I'm upset though because if I wish they were a bit looser with the Disney Princess brand because there's so many things that could be princesses mm-hmm. right now, and the one I want is the Alien Queen. Because <laughs> the alien queen obviously has the Praetorian Guard, and the Praetorian yeah, yeah. is a, basically a queen in training or a princess. Mm. I, just, I just want to see an alien, a xenomorph with like a little pretty dress. <laughs> be so good. He'd be so cool. Just like a, a very nice like black ball gown. Yeah, and then you've got obviously Princess Leia with a gun. Mm-hmm. Disney princess with a fucking gun. <laughs> Stop this one. How do you beat this? So oh man. Good, man. I, it's like um, I've got a couple of um, pins because. I'm obsessed with, like, Stitch from yes. Lilo and Stitch. And there's a couple of ones where, like, there's one where uh, Stitch is dressed as Yoga. Uh, Yoda, not Yoga. Yoda. Um, there's another Yoda. one where he, Stitch has, like, four arms out, so he's, like, General Grievous and has the four lightsabers. Yeah, I can see that work. I can see him doing it with some of the characters they see as being less valuable to them. But with their legacy characters, like Mickey Mouse. Oh, yeah, exactly. Mickey Mouse exactly, gets away yeah. with it. Mickey Mouse can do whatever the fuck he wants, but... The legacy, the princesses, because that seems to be so integral to their brand. You ever don't see that? The last thing is Mickey Mouse. You've seen in how many different art styles, yes. etc. You only see these Disney princesses in like one movie, looking a very specific branded way. Yeah, you ever heard about all the um, like the Neverland Squawk model as well? Uh, no. Uh, well, this is. I think this is the thing that's true for a lot of animated, but Disney are really bad for it, and it's um, in the. Uh, CG movies specifically, they mm. do not let the animators ever go off model with female characters. So off model means, like, say, uh, in joint cartoons, when they have like exaggerated facial expressions, uh, that sort of yeah, thing. and then sure. you can like pinpoint one frame, like the eyeball is off the model for like one second. Yeah, yeah. But when it all flows together, it, just, it looks fine. Mm. Uh, Disney do not let you do that with uh, the female characters. They basically they have to look a certain way. On every single frame of animation. Just completely consistently, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of our animation studios do it as well. And that's why um, every female character in every animated movie looks the same. Because they just have like a basic framework for Yeah, because there's only one way you can really make a, a female face look and mm-hmm. stick to that, um, like stick, adhere to that. And that yeah, face yeah, is sure. just Anna and Elsa's face from Frozen. Those yeah, gen- and like generically you... pretty, round-faced, big eyes. That's the thing nose, is, small even um, if you look at two separate films in Tangled and Moana, their facial structure are like almost the exact same. Because that's the only way they can really animate a female. Well, obviously there's a lot of variation in the males. Mm-hmm. And again, I found that really interesting to see. It just showcases that we're supremely confident this movie does sell, but this girl character has to look flawless at all times. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing as well, because like, they, the animation. they are very on brand with exactly how they want a female to look, whereas with males, they, they like they to exaggerate the, the males a lot more. Yeah, and that leads, obviously, uh, it's just good for movies. 
because more oh, yeah, totally. variation means you can have more stuff in your movies. Like look at Moana, you got like the Rocks character. You, mm-hmm. people, you never see a female with in a Disney movie with like that body type, with an atypical body type. And exactly, and you, ne- you never see, see that, a female. That's interesting. You never see a female look like um, the what's the Rock's name in that uh, Maui. That's one. You never see a female in a Disney film look like that. Not a protagonist, at least. Except for Ursula, obviously the villain. Yeah, yeah, but not like the actual yeah. like Disney princess. They'd never make her look like that. And this is a thing that's unique to Disney. It's, it's true of a lot of animated movies. Like I think uh, Universal did a lot as well. And DreamWorks oh, yeah. have done it. And there's a, that thing called like, DreamWorks face. Mm-hmm. Where every male protagonist looks exactly the same. Because they do the similar thing where we never go off model. And oh, have, right, okay, you, yeah. you are stuck with that. You can only make the character look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it's just generically handsome. Just douchebag. Like Prince Charming and Shrek. Yeah, which again, just it limits the amount of stuff you can do moving. It limits the amount of characters you can have. And it's just a shame to see that because I would love to see more just crazy random bullshit. Oh yeah, and that's why I love looking at the opposite. So I love watching um, little like dev diary insights about uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Because if you look at a lot of like the, the off frames of that and stuff, like it, there's so many interesting ways they animate it. And, yeah. It's a lot cooler to look at stuff like that and like be able to skip frames and stuff rather than just, oh, this character always looks the exact same. Because we have to, because it's branding and it's Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like looking at um, early Dragon Ball Super and seeing some of the like off-frames of Goku's oh, face. <laughs> off-frame Super Saiyan 3 Goku is the best. <laughs> because it's just always got the... Uh, I was hoping they'd put that into one of the games. I really was. Hmm. But like, it's, uh, oh, it's off model, I think. It, but it's, it's so fucking funny. Yeah, like, yeah. If anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, just type in just off model Goku Super Saiyan 3. And you'll get Goku, oh, it's that one frame where they just didn't draw his face properly and left it in the thing. And that and happens so, a lot in early Dragon Ball Super. Because they, they, they didn't have the budget. Yeah, they were uh, giving like parts of the animation to less experienced studios to, to, to save on budget. Oh, it's a shame that that kills like, One Punch Man. Oh, yeah. Because people don't know, One Punch Man Season 1, and One Punch Man, the manga, the original one, and yeah. carried by one thing, and one thing like that was just the phenomenal presentation, and mm-hmm. the quality, and just how much like, just how much money was thrown into the artwork. Because it originally started life as a webcomic online. With Did the, it? The, the, yeah. With the, it's still drawn, the webcomic's still being drawn today, by a guy called One, I think it is. Yes, I believe so, yeah. And they, it caught on because the premise is so stupid. It's One Punch Man, the titular One Punch Man, beats everything in One Punch. Yeah. That is, that is his character. That is his only character trait. And the humour of the, sh- of the webcomic really caught on it made it really popular. And what mm-hmm. they did, they brought in, they, some company bought the rights to it and said, okay, give us the biggest big dick artist we can, money can buy. And they contracted the most talented fucking manga artist in Japan. <laughs> Draw this, but good. Oh my god! And every and if you get the One Punch Man manga, it's fucking phenomenal in its quality. And then they obviously made an anime of it, where, mm-hmm. it's, where they adhered to the same thing, where they contracted a studio and said, "We will put as much money as we need to. Every frame needs to be a work of fucking art." Apart from the ones where. 
he's meant to look yeah. like the stupid Saitama version. And they're like. deliberate callbacks to the original webcomic, mm-hmm. which is what he looks like in that. And oh, said, right, yeah, okay. that's amazing. The show is beautiful. And every episode is like a tight 20 or so minutes of just mm-hmm. pure action, hilarity. Like It's one of the best, I'd say, if you want to watch an anime, watch that, it's perfect. I mean, uh, if you're even just watching it for how cool the fight scenes are, that's the entire premise, obviously. Yeah. But they it's, managed to make a one-punch fight like look absolutely phenomenal. Because they put all of the budget into that one moment. Yeah. And it shows. And everything else, and it's just just good. And then remember, they were good, obviously, we need to make a one-punch fight. Season two, people are clamoring for this. They went to the studio that did it and said, okay... What what's your time frame on when can you make One Punch Man season two? And I think this was in like 2016 or 2015. They said um, we could have it ready by 2020 or 2022 oh, wow. or some ridiculous time frame. It's going to take us five years to do another one. Oh, and they said God. no, fuck that. We don't want that. We'll go to a cheaper person and farm it out to a cheaper studio. Oh no! And made them do it instead, and then got them to do like 15 episodes instead of eight. And just oh. it's so noticeable the bumping quality because what they do is to pad out runtime, refer mm. back to older episodes. Oh god! Where you can just see, oh man, the, the animation quality was just so much fucking better in these. And they even have mm. like fight scenes where a fight scene's about to happen and they'll smash cut to someone in an office going, "Wow, that fight scene was great, wasn't it?" Oh no! It's like the one selling point of the show has now been removed. So I refuse to watch it. I watch yeah, I've not seen like, season two. This. I heard bad things. I'm hoping they do like a, a Kai type thing and they go back and they remake it. Well, that's the thing is, Kai it. wasn't even like remaking it, it was like tightening up yeah. certain portions and making like the um, the the aspect ratio and the colour grading all like consistent and the voice acting back. consistent and stuff. It's, it's baffling to me. But it's like, oh, we can make lots of money in the future or, or a little bit of money now. Oh, yeah. And the option, but more money in the future but why about little money now it's always like so many companies go for little money now so it short baffles sighted. me just little money now Sony oh but let's make instead of just making the long run and keeping the MCU and just basically get an easy paycheck of a billion dollars yeah by piggybacking off of the most staggeringly like, phenomenally the, successful movie series of all time the most like little money now popular and high earning like media franchise on in average, the entire every world. film in that every film in that series has grossed a billion dollars. <laughs> you know what we could do though? Let's have little money now. It's like, oh no, uh this MCU film only made nine hundred and fifty million dollars, it's a failure. Do you know what I, I don't understand why Sony doesn't go, okay, you pay fifty percent, we'll take half the money if you make all the movies. Yeah. Just collect <laughs> half a billion dollars every three years for doing nothing. Yeah. And they could. They literally hand could. it all over and just say, we'll keep the rights, you give us the money. Mm-hmm. And do literally fucking nothing. And say, no, yep. but little money now. But it's let's cram the Sinister Six into the next film. <laughs> let's get some toys going, Carl. <laughs> Gotta sell that Venom action figure. Oh, God. I wonder That's as well it. how many um, decisions in Into the Spider-Verse were made of like, oh, let's add like Peter Porker just so we can sell a toy of Peter Porker. Maybe. I mean, that, that movie was phenomenal. They got away with it because they just went so hard and stupid into the premise that it doesn't matter if you have Peter Porker because 
fuck it, it's like a stupid comic book film. It makes, it makes sense in context. Yeah. If you, treat, if, you treat, if you treat the source material with respect and you, like, you, you show it, the, you give it the dudes that people will understand. Exactly, if you, yeah. show, if you try and treat it as a joke, your audience will too. Mm-hmm. You've got, you got to own the stupidity and if you do, people will respond. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy is the best example. Compared to oh, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy to Suicide Squad. Which is another <laughs> movie where I adore the making and behind the scenes stories about movie more than the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Suicide Squad is a famous clusterfuck where there was literal leaked emails from an executive at Warner Bros who said uh, yeah there's no jokes in this film we need more jokes Oh, so wow. they released the first trailer and obviously Will Smith's in it and Will Smith's being Will Smith charismatic mm-hmm. yeah, man yeah. that he is and he tells jokes and they realise that oh shit all the jokes that are in the film are in the trailer Oh and no! people, people <laughs> think it's going to be a funny film Fuck. So they went back and did reshoots and put more jokes in. Oh, right, okay. And then they went back and did reshoots again. Oh, they didn't reshoot, but when they did as well, uh, someone at the studio said, oh, man, Guardians of a Galaxy was really good because it was colourful and had pop music in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't mind that it had really well-written characters being realised by people who gave a shit. No, it's the pop music and the colour that made it successful. Mm-hmm. Cram as much fucking pop music and colour as you can into this So that's why squad. every trailer was cut with, like, a high-profile music like video esque yeah. trailer With and the neon color. lights on the Suicide Squad and stuff because, like that. Because they thought that's what made Guardians of the Galaxy popular. Yeah. And these are movie studios. And me, I'm a chuckle fuck on my computer. <laughs> I know that's not the reason that film was successful, but that's what movie studios thought. It's really weird, like how a lot of, I guess, executives and stuff making these decisions don't understand like why people enjoy things. Or they don't listen to the people doing market research. Yeah, yeah. Like, look at the Sonic movie. Oh, God. Again, another one that's great to go look at the behind the scenes stuff on it, where every single person working for the movie, mm-hmm. all the animators, Sega themselves said, this design is terrible, we hate it. And they charged ahead because one executive or like one guy in charge said, it's something like, oh, he has to look this way because he has to be believable as a creature in our world. <laughs> and refused to listen to any of the feedback that they got. Oh, even God. when the feedback was coming from fucking Sega. Yeah, yeah. You know the guys who made Sonic the yeah. Hedgehog. And have been making Sonic things, what, 20, 30 years the, now? The thing is, it's not just that, like, they've been making Sonic successful despite awful quality. <laughs> like, they still know how to sell Sonic, even though... They can't make a good Sonic game. I did like, though, when that first trailer came out and one of the headlines I saw was, this is the Sonic we deserve. <laughs> <laughs> for supporting this franchise for so long, despite all its lows, this is the Sonic that we deserve. This or is the moment one, that we've all been building up or, to. Or one that called it a blight upon this weary earth. <laughs> which was fucking brilliant. Right. Oh, it says Again. a lot when, like, Yuji Naka just bows out and goes, I had nothing to do with this. Oh, man. My favourite one is that he tweeted out, is this Sonic? <laughs> he didn't understand it. Is this the Sonic? <laughs> oh, that great tweet from someone. It's like, uh, it's a picture of the fan poster. That's all, mate. Like, oh, the fan posters are all amazing. Mm. Like, I don't see what the problem is here. That, that looks great. The, the fan poster looks terrible. The next comment down is, oh, no. <laughs> when they realised they were looking at the wrong one. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, man. And that, to me, I... Fucking love researching that stuff. Just it's 
it's so amazing to see these like just incredibly out of touch executives who don't understand. Oh yeah, they, yeah. They, they see everything in such a simplistic binary way, and I think so. How did they end up leading this fucking company when they don't? Oh, know I know it's doing? bizarre. Uh, it's like um, and anything to do with like microtransactions and games, and like you've got a lot of um, companies like Activision and EA that obviously are massive like supporters of loot boxes and try to put them in every game they can even though like games like battlefront 2 came out and just got slaughtered for it and disney had to like basically damage control the press for that game Do you know why lucas it's little money now yeah and they went you know what this was an awful fucking thing to do yeah, let's do it to the next let's, game. Let's push this IP down the toilet to make little money now. Yeah. We need that little money, Lucas. We're only one of the biggest entertainment companies on the planet. Are we supposed to stay afloat in this marketplace? I'm pretty sure... has never been more popular. I'm pretty sure, Carl, that that Star Wars brand has not got much time left in it. They need to cash in on it now. Yeah. The Star Wars... It's been, it's been relevant for 40 straight years. <laughs> no, we need to make little money now. <laughs> But it's about to just disappear off the face of the earth, yeah. cash in now. So let's, 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 let's just shit it down the toilet now to make a little money. <laughs> it's great. And some, of my best, some of the best examples of this is when you look at TV shows. Mm-hmm. And you look at TV shows that are popular and then see what comes out after that when they're trying to cash in off films that are popular and you see what's trying to cash in on it. And they oh, yeah, never yeah. take the lesson that should be taken, which is if you make a good movie... People will go watch it. It's always yeah. no. It has to be. There's just a. It's just the subject matter. I think Harry Potter is a good example where Harry Potter came out and was a phenomenal runaway success. Yes. And rather than looking at it and going, okay, this was a movie made by a studio who brought on people who gave a shit under direct mm-hmm. supervision of the author who had hands on with every aspect of the film down to yeah, the casting, yeah. and it was made with love and care. And a lot of like you know, just like attention paid to the source material. It's like, no, it's because it's based on the book. Mm-hmm. And if you look at all the films that came out post Harry Potter, because based what? on a series of books, you we've got how many that just made it to number one and not nothing else came out. You've got yeah. like Aragon, yeah. uh, like Percy Jackson. I don't I don't know about like another one. Um, the Vampire Apprentice, like, which is a series of books that yes. I quite liked as a kid. Um, the Golden Compass as well. Yep, that's another uh, they made books. more movies, but Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe—that wasn't yep. great. But they, obviously, it's again inspired by. Oh, Harry Potter was successful. And it's not that they made it low. It's no, it's based on a series of books. That's why it's, it's popular. If we yeah, oh look, book, these kids enjoyed these books. That's why it's a massive franchise. And then it worked with the Hunger Games, which was a teen thriller type novel. Wasn't it? It was like teen romance. So yeah, the the Hunger Games have, slash Twilight era. So what do we have come out of that? Divergent. Mm-hmm. Uh, was one which the Maze Runner Maze Runner was another one that came out they did okay but it was like every time you have a, a success like that studios respond by going well it's clearly it's just we need to just copy what they did mm-hmm. and not have a thing and they never think any deeper than oh it's based on a book let's just go buy a book yeah let's go find a similar series of books and just make movies based on that it's um it's like how many Call of Duty Four came games yeah. came out after How Call of Duty Four. Trying to be Call of Duty. Yeah. You can't be Call of Duty. You're trying to be Call of Duty. You can't be Call of Duty because Call of Duty already exists. Or how mm-hmm. many games try to be like Grand Theft Auto? 
So what it's we like, do yeah. is just have like a like crime game with a 3D world, and it's no, mm-hmm. it's, it's got amazing attention to detail made by a veteran studio with millions of dollars poured into it that is expansive and has loads of world building and characterization and all that bullshit. It's like no, 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 let's just make a crime game where you drive cars and give it shit controls. You know, like, yeah, mafia. The Mafia games. Mafia uh, games. True crime. Obviously Saints Row started Saint, as that. Saints Row, and then you've got a superhero game. But there's, mm-hmm. there's ones we're forgetting. There's so fucking many. There's oh, Godfather there's so many. There's a Godfather yeah. game for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, so... But yeah, like, it's um, another ex- more recent example, obviously, of Battle Royales. Oh, so yeah. look how many PUBG clones there were. And then All Fortnite at least game. seemed like it was doing it. But then made that it made it their own, and made it like good quality with a unique selling point. And now everything's trying to be Fortnite by it's being colourful. Yeah. Think, oh, it's being random and colourful is what people like instead of it's no, it's it's already established and now it's it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. I loved when like battle royale games were the thing. Was it Lawbreakers? Was the one that died in the Oh yeah, yeah. And they literally had Cliffy be on stage saying, "There's always room to be number three. This oh is, no, um, Lawbreakers. Play? Wasn't even the um, the the PUBG clone. That was like oh, it was like the uh, the Call of Duty Halo fat killer, wasn't it? It was um, yeah, it was kind of like old school like shooter inspired by like Quake and stuff like that. Was that. One, yeah, and they asked him, so how are you going to compete with like, you know Call of Duty, which like owns this market and mm-hmm. Halo and, and Battlefield? Just, and, yeah. yeah, and he said, oh yeah, there's always room to be number three. It's like that. Is telling oh God. where you don't even have the confidence to say you're going to be number one. You know it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Anyway, I'm going to nip to the bathroom now. Okay, so we're back, Lucas. And I had a quick thing when I was in the bathroom, and I have now got in front of me a couple of lists. We were talking about <laughs> you know, studios and trying aping off the success of something else and not realising what made it a success and just thinking it's clearly this thing that made just it copy it without any soul and it'll be fine yeah and I have got in front of me a list of young adult um, books or young adult literature that was mm-hmm. adapted into books because there's a couple of um, differences here. So there was very clearly you had like the Hunger Games type thing Oh yeah, yeah. Where I was doing all that, it's like, oh yeah, right, you are the most special, beautiful person ever. You're the only one who can save the world. Are they trying and to then there was and the then Twilight, had, I presume. Yeah, the Twilight, which is a similar thing. And then you had um, the Fault in Our Stars, which is just oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And they, there was a huge bunch. So this is a mix of those. Mm-hmm. But I would like to ask you, Lucas, how many of the following have you fucking heard of? Because these are all ones that have been adapted into movies. Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging. Okay. Yeah. So we know about that one. And everyone yeah. knows that. That's like, you know, young girls in school all talking about kissing, because that's what you can you know, get the 14 year old girls to get watched. But have you ever heard of Ashes in the Snow? Or Avalon High? <laughs> no. Beautiful no. Boy? No. Beautiful Creatures by uh, Margaret Stamp? I think Before I've heard I of call, that one. Blood and Chocolate, The Book Thief, The Breadwinner, The Bumblebee Flies Anyway, The Chocolate War, which I do know about that. That's really, apparently, a really. Controversial book. Oh, okay. Yeah, but um, that's one we could talk about in a little bit. Cirque du Freak, The Vampire's Assistant, which I mentioned earlier. Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Divergent, the one we do know. Yeah, yeah. That was done. Drink, Slay, Love. Aragon. <laughs> oh, we know about yeah, Aragon. Aragon. Every day. Like, do you want to know about Aragon? 
I what? found something. Uh, I found something out in that. Uh, I might, this might be the book, but um, one of the powers they have in that is that everyone has like psychic powers. Or, like, heroes have psychic powers. Oh, um, okay. The, and the strongest guy in the world realized, oh, when everyone's using their powers, to, like pick people up and throw them. Hmm. Why don't you just pick up a pebble and throw it with a force? You throw a man, and you can fire it like a gun and just kill everybody. <laughs> and I was that, that Aragorn? Is... I thought that yeah. was about dragons. Yeah, but that's one of the powers in it, I think. What? It's one of the powers out. Then most, I think it is Aragorn. So there was a friend of ours who got pissed off about it. Because he talks about how that's the coolest concept he's heard in like science fiction or fantasy, and he oh, never yeah. got explored. But it's, it's like, um, I mean, I don't know whether it, I've not seen Aragorn, but it's like. Um, concept of like magneto when yeah. he's breaking he's out the, the prison and he just like gets the little tiny balls of iron and just shoots yeah. people with them and i've always asked why doesn't um why don't jedi do that oh why yeah do, why do jedi try and throw like pillars of stone instead of just walking around and just firing glass shrapnel at everyone yeah uh, <laughs> the speed of sound because that's the anyway, thing is yeah. when they're like lifting up these giant pillars it's, obviously... it's like the most telegraph fucking thing in the world just do the magneto and just fire a ball bearing at twice speed yeah. sound. Anyway, we've got, we're going to move on. We've got past Aragon. We've got everything, everything. Fallen. Fat kids rule the world. Then we've got the fault in our stars, which we all know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but have you heard of the fifth wave? Or flip? <laughs> oh, God. Or yeah. the hate you give? How I live now? How to deal? I am number four. I do know that one. I recognise that. I've heard of that, yeah. I still see you. It's kind of a funny story. Jasper Jones, Lemonade Mouth, Love Simon, Maximum Ride, The Mighty, oh The Misdirection of Cameron, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which I do recognise that one. A Monster mm-hmm. Call, The Mortal Engines, which by all accounts sucked ass. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a book that I really enjoy as a kid, so fuck that. Uh, Mortal Instruments, City of Bones. Oh, God. Nerve. Now he's good. The Outsiders. Paper Towns. I know that one. The Poets Been a Wallflower. The Princess Diaries. I know that one. Rumblefish. This was then. This is now. Sea Chain. The Seeker. The Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants. Someday this pain will be useful to you. Speak. The Spectacular Stormbreaker. The Story of a Girl. Ten Murder Island. Text. Tiger Eyes. Tomorrow When the War Began. Twilight Vampire Academy and Whip It. Okay. So I'd say out of that, I'd maybe know like one out of every like five to seven and as I mentioned, uh, there is a mix of genres within the young, young adult literature. Like, yeah, because of like the, the few major successes like um, Hunger Games and Fault in yeah. Our Stars. And the stuff. Hunger Games yeah. is very clear. It's the post-apocalyptic, the young teen girl or young teen boy is the hero. You they can, can like, the world. fight, yeah, fight off the world and every everything revolves around and it. And then you have the Fault in Our Stars, which is more romance, but they don't fuck. Mm-hmm. A romance story, basically. <laughs> those, all those books are basically aping. I'm going to guess a vast majority are aping off of those two films, of the success yes. of them, and trying to cash in on that and Harry Potter and all that sort of thing. Like, let's find a book that kids like and then make it into a movie. But as I said, of all those, like that list of books and films, most of them probably like beloved books to some degree. I don't recognise like, a vast majority of them, and I can't imagine how much money is put into that list of films and how few actually like were successful or even got their money back. Well, another one that I like is uh, how many films try to be a cinematic universe. We've talked about oh, like, yeah. like, the Fast and Furious movies are a cinematic universe. To be fair, they're doing it well. But 
all the movies that try to be a cinematic universe and failed is just hilarious. You know, like Ghostbusters and the Power Rangers. And the um, the Dark Universe. Yeah, it's just it's so amazing. So I believe you have a list as well, don't you, Lucas? I do. Um, I have a list of like Minecraft apes, and it's oh like, my God, God, so can you game remember game. that world where everything just wanted to be fucking Minecraft. Minecraft? Because they knew Minecraft is worth a billion dollars. We can be worth a million dollars too. All right, go for it. Um, so there's a couple like legitimately decent games on here, like there's Terraria, which is like a 2D similar to Minecraft game. Yeah. Uh, there's one which is like Ace of Spades, which is it's Minecraft but with guns. Of course it is. Because that's Minecraft. everything we needed. Even though Minecraft um, does have a first person shooter mini game, which my sister is apparently oh, yeah. really good at. Like, she's apparently really top tier and she's ranked really highly on it. Yeah, we've got like um, Cube World. Cubic Castles, Lego Worlds, Infiniminer, Blockland. Oh, there was like Dungeon Miner and all. Oh I've god, never heard of any of these fucking games. Oh, let's let's find Wikipedia. Oh no, there's only a few. There's like Castle Miner, Creativeverse, Cube Life well, Island, Survival. More than ten. Say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's clearly people trying. To... Oh, when Flappy Bird came out. Oh god! You had, yeah, like, you had every bird and flappy pipe, flappy doge, flappy everything, flappy flappy. <laughs> flappy, every, flappy. Everything was flappy, flappy dragon. But there was that that phone that sold for like ten thousand dollars because yeah. it had a flappy bird on. And I remember there was the great story of the guy who made a game called Flappy Dragon got kicked off the iOS store for spam, saying you're clearly just trying to like you know leverage another product or another <laughs> app for your own success. And he said a thing saying, "No, I didn't make it." I wasn't cheating. Flappy Dragon just had a similar name. It's a very different game. Oh, God. It's great. But what I I actually researched two lists. Because I always do my homework and a bit extra. Oh, the yeah. The list yeah. that I got is a list of GTA clones. Oh. Because Grand Theft Auto, I don't know, it kicked off a fucking generation. There was, and there's more of these than you remember. So let's just go through a few and see Ooh, how... And I, I, I mean, we, as we mentioned earlier, I remember a few, but yeah, imagine maybe, there's a lot maybe more. Maybe it's not fair to say that these games were all trying to rip off. No, that's the thing is, like, um, auto. as I said, like there's there's ones that are in those lists of just like Terraria, which is just, oh, this game yeah. is like retro looking and has crafting in it. But they very clearly, like, a lot of these games were would not have been made if not for the success of like, Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah, yeah, of course. Grand Theft Auto, like, Grand Theft Auto 3 especially, because it's the first one that's 3D. So we've got mm-hmm. the Getaway series. Oh, yeah. Which I only remember as being the Getaway. But there's part of this, the Getaway, the Getaway Black Monday, and then a game, a spin-off, two years later, called Gangs of London. We oh, wow. Obviously, <laughs> the True Crime Streets of, like, True Crime series. Oh, like New York and LA and stuff, yeah. True Crime be my favourite one because it was the most obvious and direct rip-off of Grand Theft Auto. Because mm-hmm. when you go, if you go into free roam mode, you can go to a graveyard and just find like a um, a tombstone that says the competition. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, we're going to bury the competition. Yeah, True yeah. Crime is so good. And then Grand Theft oh, Auto God. 5 comes out 10 years later and it's still the top selling game a year after it's released. It's like the, heart, the, the highest earning Thing in media ever. How's that, that feel? How's that bury that competition going for your true crime streets <laughs> of LA franchise? And the Simpsons hit and run. I'd argue the best Grand Theft Auto clone. Um, I mean, it's definitely up there. It's at least a very 
like a game with a reason to have cloned it is a family friendly Simpsons version of it. It's very good and as well. They got all the original cast back and it's just made with love. Oh man. Simpsons actually really cool. Would love Simpsons Hit and Run 2. And I know a lot of people that would. Yeah. It's Simpsons Hit and Run is a really good game. It's, again, made with love. It's got soul. It doesn't but I'd soul. really like it to be written by like old school Simpsons writers yeah. again. But you know what doesn't have soul? The Driver series. <laughs> which began from 2004 onwards, sat being more grabbed that daughter like, and that was with Driver 3, with the 3 for the E, Driver Parallel Lines, Driver 76, his spin off Cop the Recruit, what? and then Driver San Francisco. Do I did not know there were that many games between Driver 3 and Driver San Francisco. And I again, thought San Francisco was the fourth game. Exactly. And again, Driver tried to take a shot at Grand Theft Auto when he released its game. And I think it's sort mm-hmm. of advertising. They said, oh, Grand Theft Auto sucks, basically. And what they did is in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, you go and fight a guy. You're told to go shoot a guy called Tanner. Or maybe it's in Oh, isn't it like you're going to assassinate the guy that is the, the protagonist yeah, in Driver? The protagonist of Driver is called Tanner. And in one of the Grand Theft Auto games, you go shoot a guy called Tanner. And they say, oh, he's, he's in his car... He's, you're not going to catch him, but as soon as he gets out of it, he's, he's useless. <laughs> it's a reference to the fact that the walking around animation in Driver was so fucking terrible. And they went as far to give that character the female walk animation <laughs> in the game, and he dies in one hit. Oh, God. Oh, man, we've got to keep going about the Mercenary series, which I don't think is a Jabba Dotto clone. No, I wouldn't but cast that it's, one. It's listed here. We've got Gun and Gun Showdown, the Saints Row series. Which, okay. uh, which Saints Row, which very clearly started off as a Grand Theft Auto ripoff. Oh yeah, one back. and two were very like much more serious kind of like GTA ripoff kind of games. Yeah, the first one was hilarious, then the second one started getting more solid, and they came into its own thing by the third one. But then yes. we've got Scarface: The World Is Yours, <laughs> which we've talked about before, haven't we? Because we talked about the amazing cast it managed to get. Did it? Yeah. Have we, we had went- this conversation? No, we talked about Scarface the Joe went through the IMDB page because they got like Bam Margera and Lemmy in it. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. And then Tony Montana, like oh, fucking Al Pacino's not in it, but he did hand pick the voice actor who was going to impersonate him. <laughs> which is amazing. And then the next one though, we've got the Gangster series. Do you remember the oh, Gangster God. series? I because do know what you say. Do you know? We've got Gangster Crime City in two thousand six, followed up by Gangster Two, Kings of LA. Evidently, oh LA wasn't that successful because the next game is Gangster West Coast Hustle, followed <laughs> by Gangster Miami Vindication. Oh and evidently, God. Dean in America, America was not going well for these gangsters because the no. next game is Gangster Rio City of Saints, <laughs> followed by Gangster Vegas. What? Uh, Jesus which has two Christ. expansions: Gangster Vegas and Gangster Gangster Vegas Devils Do and Gangster um, Gangster New Orleans. Oh my god. Oh, and then you've got Total Overdose, which was good. Total Overdose was good. Oh, I do Spicy. not remember that one. Total Overdose is like the Mexican one, but it's like spicy moves. You do backflips. <laughs> you do backflips and shoot zombies, it's great. And then you've got uh, Wheelman. Oh, yeah. The Saboteur. Sleeping Dogs. Watch Dogs and Mad Max. It's like, oh. Oh, god. It's so Yeah, funny. Sleeping Dogs. That's a game that I've got like four different free versions of. They just kept porting it and kept giving like 
definitive editions of it and stuff away. Oh, here we go. We've got um, uh, Rockstar's response. These are amazing. Should we, should we go through this? Because these are fucking brilliant. Oh, go on. Right. As a result of such similarities, Rockstar has placed several Easter eggs to mock the competition to their games. In Grand Theft Auto 3, the player is tasked with kit- in the mission to face Tanner. Here we go. Where must kill a oh, strangely animated undercover cop. The Tanner character <laughs> is described as being totally useless outside of his car as a reference to a lack of on-foot action in Driver 2. <laughs> in Grand Theft Auto Vice City during the recent auto side, the target that Dom Tommy Vercetti must kill are a subtle reference to the characters of Driver 2, Dick Tanner after Tanner, and the getaway, Marcus Hammond and, Frank, and Franco Carter after Mark Hammond and Frank Carter. Driver <laughs> 3 responded by including 10 hidden enemies, Timmy Vermicelli, Named after oh, Vice protagonist Tommy Vercetti, who wore yeah. water wings as a reference to the lack of swimming in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. <laughs> uh, Driver 3, famously a game where they paid to get positive coverage. Just going to throw it out there, just for people who don't know. There's a video who on did? it somewhere. Uh, Driver 3. Oh, there's right, a, okay. There's a video essay out there where they detail, basically they pay journalists to give this game a good review by sending them what oh, they yeah, claimed was an unfinished version of the game, say, promising mm. them it will be better when it gets released. They oh, did, no. and they released that shit version. Oh, no. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, that, that reference, like, one of the most popular beloved video games of all time, getting dunked on by Driver 3. Oh, and God. Then they responded um, to the mockery of Driver 3 in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, where you include a mission, by including a mission where you break into Mad Dog's mansion, there is a man playing an unseen video game making fun of the way the character walks. <laughs> okay. And asking about refractions, a spoof of Reflections Interactive, the designs of the Driver series. Uh, asking okay. how they could mess up so bad when making the game. <laughs> Look So Flux, the makers of True Crime Streets of LA, also responded by putting up billboards in their game, mocking Rockstar Games' logo, using it to advertise jockstraps around Los Angeles, California. In response oh, wow. to the jockstrap billboard, right, basically saying your game's a bunch of dicks. Yeah. Considering True Crime Streets of LA is a footnote in articles about Grand Theft Auto now. <laughs> I love that idea of the upstart competition pointing to the stand saying, I'm going to get here home fucking run. Oh, yeah. I'm going to yeah. step to the champ and walking into the ring and just getting their face weaved into the canvas. <laughs> just getting their fucking ass handed to them and just having their balls like their asshole blown out live in front of everybody because <laughs> they just get their ass kicked so much and in response in San Andreas there is there are multiple billboards in the form um, for true grime street cleaners oh yeah I do and, remember that one uh, the tagline is get rid of old rubbish fast <laughs> So oh, the shots fired. Also, if you enter the cheat, um, True Grime on the PC version, it spawns a garbage truck. <laughs> One mission features Ryder before entering Robin House crying, yeah, yeah, we got to do it ninja style. A coin phrase by the True Crime protagonist, Nick Kang. In a cemetery oh, wow. in San Fierro, um, gravestones with Rip Opposition 1997 to 2004 can be seen. As Rockstar yeah. implied, oh, so it's Rockstar who did this. They killed the competition. Uh, they killed the competition. Yeah. Luxo Flux once again referenced GTA and its use of remote control vehicles in Grand Theft Auto 3 in True Crime NYC by having the protagonist, Detective Marcus Reed, stay at the start of, say at the start of a mission. Now I got to be a cab driver for this fool. Next thing you know, I'll be flying remote control toys and shit. 
Another Go reference on. in the True Company is the, is the driver yelling, what the blue hell are you doing when Marcus hits his car, mocking the blue hell glitch in GTA games. Oh, fair enough. I mean, like, fair, fair for them to be mocking them for glitches and not being able to swim and stuff, but when you're just like, oh no, we are better than Grand Theft fucking Auto. <laughs> like, one of the most pervasive... And one that I do like, though, is the uh, Saints Row 2. In one of its advertisements, mm. um, it ran an advert that mocked Grand Theft Auto 4 by saying that you have no phone calls from people. Uh. <laughs> They're saying, like, oh yeah, you don't get... Um, you don't no. get your cousin ringing you up every 30 fucking seconds asking I, to go bowling. And I think that would seem to be more tongue-in-cheek, but yeah. I love that mechanic because it happened to me once when I was falling out of a helicopter. <laughs> like, I answered the phone and then I got hit from behind by a thing and Nico's on the phone. I'll never forget, it just comes up, Nico, casually as anything, as he's falling through the air to his apparent death, just saying, I'm sorry, <laughs> cousin, I don't have time to go bowling right now. I'm kind of in the middle of something. Because <laughs> I'm just careening through the air at twice the speed of sound towards the pavement, and Rome's oh, like, it's okay, cousin, I'll see you another time. <laughs> oh, no. And I remember distinctly, because I crashed into the pavement before the conversation could finish, and I got out and he called me up to chastise me for hanging up on him. <laughs> so I'm oh, sorry, Roman. I was a bit busy being spread across three city blocks. <laughs> oh, God. I, mean, yes, I want to know how they... Like, they, they do charge quite an extortionate amount, but how do they manage to, like, put you back together after that? Have I ever told you about, I think, the funniest thing my mate ever did playing Grand Theft Auto? Uh, you potentially help, but I don't story. remember. This is one, and it slays me every time I think about it, and it is um, the character Michelle in Grand Theft Auto 4. Yeah, yeah. It's the first girlfriend you get in the game, if anyone doesn't remember, I'll just know. Mm-hmm. And it turns out in the game, she betrays you, and she was actually acting as like an undercover agent. Oh, yeah, and yeah. My friend was replaying the game, and, he, and he's like, I know that she's going to betray me, but one of the missions at this start of the game is to take her on a date. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not taking this fucking girl on a date. So he took her on the requisite one date where you go bowling. He ran oh, away yeah. from... He drove his car in such a way where she had to run alongside the car the entire time. <laughs> so she didn't get a lift there. So she had to jog all the way to the bowling alley. He ran ahead to the bowling alley and managed to push people in front of the door so she couldn't get in. <laughs> Paid for the round of bowling. Bowled once and quit so she didn't get to play. Ran back to his car and drove all the way back to the apartment. Oh, so God. she had to run all the way there and then <laughs> let her into the house and then it, then it got the text from her saying I had a really fun time we should go out again and he got so annoyed by this <laughs> that he took her out on another date and pulled her car outside the house again made a jog all the way to a deserted area in the middle of nowhere and then just <laughs> shot her in the face with a shotgun oh, God. <laughs> and then drove off Oh, forget. she had a real nice time on that day, though, Carl. <laughs> I wonder if she's still keen. Because, like, canonically, she has to be into Nico because she feels bad about betraying him later. So he mm. called her up and said, I'm sorry, Nico. I can't go on a date because I still haven't forgiven you for what you did. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so what he did was just unload a pump action <laughs> shotgun into her face at point blank range. <laughs> Just leave her dead on the fucking Leave wood. her for dead in woods. And she forgave oh. him. She was just like, oh, maybe next week. It's okay. She's got to let the facial wounds heal for now. I, I could not stop laughing. Like, we <laughs> broke down in tears. It's just, I'm sorry, Nico. I still haven't forgiven you for what you It's like, bitch, I killed you. 
Oh, I like as much as um, you know, Grand Theft Auto is a nice freeing game. I love it when games like um, for example, Skyrim and stuff just let you kill off any character you want, and they fall apart, and you just have no idea that they're like gonna be a future story character. You just oh, you get caught stealing, stab them, and then it's just like oh, this quest from like halfway through the game has been failed. It's just like okay. They let you do that in Morrowind. You're not allowed to kill um, story relevant characters in Skyrim, but in Morrowind you absolutely could. And you just get a note that just says, oh, this thread has been unraveled forever. You will never be able to like, piece it back together. The world oh, will be right, sent okay. into darkness. And basically we're saying you fucked up. You've broke the game. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I think Skyrim lets you kill any like side quest character so you can still fail entire quest lines, which is not the main story one. Oh, yeah. Unless you put in the uh, the cheat code or the console command to kill anybody. Oh, yeah. And I love See, it when someone did that, and then the first thing they did is go suplex that child who tried to beat you at hide and seek. <laughs> Fucking step to this I, one um, more time. I still remember that time that I acquired the, um, the like, shout of Call Storm for the first time. And I was like, oh, right, it doesn't explain what that is. And it's sad. And I, I just stood in the middle of, um, like... Uh, Winterfell is it? White Run. White Run. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing um, because White Run. Winterfell, fucking yeah. White Run. Um, so I stood in the middle of White Run, just talking to a guy. And went, oh, I wonder what this shout does. I forgot about that. And then it just rained down lightning on every single individual person Random outside of the NPCs. It just, my, I just all of a sudden killed some person. Then the entire town turned on me. And I just hid in a corner watching them all get destroyed by the storm. I'm so sorry. I just shouted out. I read something on a page and this happened. I'm really bad. I was just like, oh, no, I'm sorry. And you know what? I kept with the save file anyway. And White Run was just devastated. Oh, it's fine. It'll recover. The population will recover eventually. The Yarl's just sitting in his tower like, what have you done? Yeah, I've got no people. Who's going who's to get my grain now? <laughs> I, don't I, I, right, well, I think the best thing I did in Skyrim is when you get made the Thane, you can like get away with any crime, minor crime. Oh, yeah, of course. Assault. So what I always do in all my playthroughs when I become the Thane is the first thing is I will unequip my weapon and go punch the Jarl in the face and knock him the fuck oh, out God. and start teabagging his corpse. And when his royal guard stops me with what you're doing, I say, I'm the Thane, and they'll let me off. Isn't it just like you pay like ten gold or no, something? No, no. When you're the like, oh. they let you off just once. So you get what you basically you get one. Oh, uh, okay. You get one. One get out of jail free card. Or um, every now and again, and I immediately use it by just knocking the <laughs> fuck out of the yard and teabagging him. And they're like, you know what? We'll give you this one. You get this one, and I'm just sat on it like I'm going to make the thing. I'm going to make the yard regret making me his fucking thing. <laughs> because the instant I found I find out I have been granted any modicum of power, my first thing that I do is beat the fuck out of you and run away. The thing is though, you have more power as a thane than the guards do. Yeah. And as a god, what do you do when you just walk into the room, the Jarl's dead on the floor and the thane's sitting on the throne? <laughs> you go, Oh, uh, you know what? Okay. I don't kill him, I knock him out. Because you can't knock out. Oh, okay. You can't kill Thane. Yeah, they can't kill the Owls. So you just knock them out. They get rendered unconscious. So he's like Still on the low. floor, winded, and I'm just there like, what? I think in that situation as the guard, I'd probably throw the Yarl in jail and just claim you as the new Yarl. 
that's the one. Be like, you've won by a trial by combat. If you are successful, you donkey punch our leader into submission by the rules of, <laughs> by the rules of our backwards ass nation. You are now our new leader. Oh, can oh. you imagine if that worked in real life? That'd be great. Well, speaking of like, video walk games, up to Donald Trump and just donkey punch him and claim that you're the president now. I'd hope that that should be the way it works. Trial by combat. <laughs> well, speaking of video games, there is one video game I want to mention. Oh, okay. Yes, it's a video game I did not know existed until yesterday when I saw the trailer for it and then immediately said, I will never play this video game. Because when oh. I heard the title, I was excited. When I heard the premise, I was excited. I watched the trailer and was immediately deflated in my excitement. Oh, okay. And I've got, I don't know what the fucking name is. I'm going to type it in now and I'll tell you the full title immediately. Okay, so it's called Predator, trademark, Hunting Grounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was announced at E3, I believe, and they just showed off a new trailer. And I wasn't aware of what it was. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, it's a Predator game. Yeah. Do you know what you do in this Predator game? Speaking of clones, it's a, uh, it's Call of Duty, and a Predator turns up and kills well, people. Well, it's, um, I believe it plays like Evolve. Yeah, Remember that pre- game? The Predator is just a big thing, but it doesn't just play yeah. like a Call of Duty game, Lucas. It plays like a bad Call of Duty game. Oh, yeah. With bad shooting mechanics and animations. Mm-hmm. And what makes it even more hilarious, there's already cool. a Call of Duty game where you can play as the Predator. Which they, had a, they had a crossover with one of the Predator movies where instead of a kill streak, you can, instead of a nuke, you get the Predator and get to be the Predator. I did not know that was a thing. Uh, so they already have this game out there, and you get to control the predator, and you get his kill streaks, and you get to do the self detonation, and that works with the nuke instead. Oh wow! Uh, so now, yeah. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a this predator is game so this is a um, I believe you do because you I can, think yeah. how it works is one person is gets to be the predator. You're a squad of four taking out people, like taking out AI. And then the fifth person plays as the Predator and tries to, like, stop the people completing their mission. Which sounds great until you realise that's the same problem that Evolve had. And what happened happened with Evolve? I do, but Evolve was very much ruined by that awful, again, like, company decisions with, like, microtransactions and season pass that cost, like, more than the game. When you tried to play um, Evolve. Oh, I never played it. Uh, If you try to play Evolve when it first came out, if you went into a game and he would join your team and if they weren't the monster, they'd quit. Oh, yeah, of course. So every game you play, people want to be the monster. They want to get the most killed. Mm-hmm. But it's not fun to go play a game where you're being killed by a vastly more powerful enemy. Oh, yeah, yeah what course. happened in that game. So if you weren't, people weren't playing as the monster, they would immediately quit. Mm, yeah. I'm going to guess it was the same in this because it has bad shooting controls. And mm-hmm. the Predator has an auto-lock-on cannon and can be invisible. Yeah, so you essentially uh, have an aimbot and are invisible fighting <laughs> enemies with bad motion with bad shooting controls. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to want to be the predator. Oh yeah, of course. So I'm already worried that you are never going to get a game online and that the predator is going to be mad overpowered because it's uh, probably yeah. And the game I looks mean, like shit. I would really like a game like that if it was more Left 4 Dead style, of like a four v four kind of like oh, for the most part. You're gonna like have, I think, like a relatively level playing ground. If you're all good players, like four zombies versus four, um, like people trying to get through the level. 
However, yeah, when it's one completely overpowered predator hunting down these people with awful shooting controls. Yeah, and the predator can jump through a tree, so you are above the battlefield, invisible, yeah. and you see with predator vision, which is obviously black, mm-hmm. black, obviously, so a completely green jungle, you see glowing red thermals of just people. And you just Basically, you have every single advantage. That could possibly be granted to you, and you have the plasma mm-hmm. caster, which appears to be a one-hit kill on any enemy. Yeah. Because that thing is, like, Left 4 Dead, for example. A, yeah, you are playing as an AC-130. Yeah, like, in, um, in Left 4 Dead, you had, like, oh, the jockey could drag you away from the crowd. But if you were a jockey, you'd be very small and weak and run really slowly. So you always have that disadvantage and that advantage. But this just seems like you are completely overpowered. And people are saying that it might be, like, the Friday the 13th game. It's apparently mm-hmm. a lot of fun. But again, it's super niche, and to me, it was a lot that fun because I tried to play a bit of it, and mm-hmm. it's, again, it's janky as fuck, and you spend most of the time running around in a circle, oh not yeah, knowing, yeah, not knowing what to do, and then and just then getting get, like teleport killed by um, Fred, J- yeah, by Jason, Jason, yeah, because he just teleports towards you and insta kills you, and it's yeah. like, oh cool, and that's fun for some people, but it was never for me. So I was never the guy who played Call of Duty and wanted to play Search and Destroy. To me, oh yeah, it's immediately quick scope from across the map. Thirty seconds in, and I to sit out the rest of a five-minute game is not mm. fun to me. I am not paying. I am not paying money for a video game to sit there doing nothing. Which <laughs> I feel like I'll be doing when I, if I play this Predator game. I, I do enjoy some game types like Elimination, where it is just like, oh, you know, three v three, four v four, and you get one life. Like that's how like Gears of War worked in the first game, and I really enjoyed that. But it was quick, like, one-minute rounds for the most yeah. part. Not a full five-minute match. Yeah. So, did you ever play Halo? Um, zombies? I've played Halo, yeah. And did you ever have that time, moment where, oh, we, the enemy team has now figured out that if they go sit at the bottom of this corridor, the only way for me to get through this door, and they've all got battle rifles and um, rockets oh, yeah, yeah. towards the door, now we can't get in. I'm but thinking, They'll figure. They'll. This game will get released, and almost instantaneously, they will be okay. Here's the bottleneck way high from the predator. I mean, here's Carl, you, you say that. Sit. We have also played Halo Five together as doubles, where we got one kill, ran to a corner, and crouched and tried to not get found. That's how you do it, yeah. But I just worry that that's what will happen because there's no. Yeah. It'd be very difficult to balance the predator, and as well, you want to be the predator because the predator is so cool. Yeah. And it has. I mean, this. Any setup like that, the only thing that I can imagine is fun is if you've got like a group of five mates that are all playing and understand like, oh, everyone, you know, gets a chance to play the Predator and you're all having a laugh. Whereas if you're online and everyone's taking it super seriously, it just doesn't sound like fun. And yeah, everyone's probably just going to quit. And what it might, reminds me of is just my days playing Modern Warfare 2. Mm-hmm. When you were against just a better team and they were just constantly air things in. Because the, the point is the Predator can climb trees. So it's oh, yeah. above you all the time. It can obviously, mm-hmm. I'm assuming it can enter the battlefield and fight hand to hand. Why would you do that? And Why would you, you when you can like just snipe people with thermal vision invisible on top of the trees yeah. where they can't find you? And it reminds me of just playing Modern Warfare 2 and spawning into a game. And the enemy's got an AC-130 and two Harriers. And you can't oh, yeah. step outside without being immediately obliterated. By mm. something you have no hopes of beating. Because none of and the worst thing is, a lot of games like that, um, 
give you better rewards for like steamrolling. So like you'll get a good um, kill streak that'll give you more kills, like the helicopter. Yeah. But then that just provides more and more power to the winning team, and they just steamroll very quickly. And I'm just looking at it, going, "It's gonna be that." It's yeah. That moment. It's and the person playing the predator's gonna get most kills because. The and then they're gonna it. probably get like kill streaks or something, which then power them up really, even really further. Sad that when I first saw the title and said, "Oh, it's a first-person predator game," I mm-hmm. was like holy shit, is it going to be you are the predator and you're just given missions like this is who you have to hunt. Go yeah. hunt these soldiers. Go hunt these warlords. Go into then oh man, In my head, I made a game. That is much better than what they're probably making. To, like, travel to different locations. You make like Hitman. Yeah. Where you can like get uh, bonus points for like you know, going in with no weapons. Like, you get to pick the predator loadout. Or I'm yeah, going to be yeah. no invisibility. I'm just going to use my like, superior predator physicality to like leap through the trees and make sure he never sees me. I'm going to go in and be like the sniper predator and I'm going to get points mm. for killing them in like, you know, cool ways or intimidation points for leaving carcasses in the right place. I mean, the or thing bonus is, points for like holding down like, you know, high level bodyguards. And it's like, oh no, it's a first person shooter. We're better. We don't know that it's not going to be good. Like, there could but be a chance. We don't know how it's going to play out. That non-existent but... game I made in my head when I saw the title and heard like, you know, the brief Oh yeah, earlier. yeah was so cool and then i watched the trailer and went, oh i guess i'm never getting that predator game then i mean the thing is though carl luckily it's a playstation exclusive so the chance my girlfriend who works for playstation might get the game for free and we can try it out oh yeah, that'll be fun i'll play as a predator once we'll make it we'll yeah. make our video and then we'll never play it again <laughs> if she does we'll try it out and never touch it ever again if she does work for playstation i like that as well because that makes you sound that sounds like such a fake thing like, do what you know, do you like, mean? No, like, no, my uncle works at Nintendo. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know a guy who... No, my girlfriend works with, like, Sony. She works for PlayStation. She actually does. Luke's yeah. girlfriend <laughs> legitimately works for PlayStation. <laughs> which is why she always gets annoyed when she comes in after a long day of work and sees us dicking around. Like, have you not done any work today? It's like sitting here talking for three hours. That's we're, work. We're recording a podcast and playing um, Smash Bros. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I'm mad pissed that I'm not going to get this fictional Predator game that does not exist that I made in my head. So I made yeah. myself annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> I annoyed myself by this game that I thought about not existing. I think really that's annoying. what always really depressing is like, for example, um, when Metroid Prime 4 got announced, it's just a logo and you go, oh man, like think of all the things they could do. And then that's what you're left with in your head and if they do do not meet that expectation then you've just let yourself down and that's why half-life 3 will never get made yeah because there is no way that game can be as good as what people have built it up to at this point because unless that comes out and it is like god of war and breath of the wild times 10 in terms of quality people will bitch and moan if it is not the Super Mario Bros of like modern gaming, it will just get thrown in the trash and everyone will hate on Valve. Yeah, and that's the uh, depressing end we're going to leave it on today. <laughs> I have to go to the gym. Oh, yeah. Because that's my life now. Just work. So, just work talk and gym. And gym. Talk, talk and gym. Work, yeah, work, talk, gym. But it's not all bad. Uh, have you got anything nope. to comment, Lucas, or anything like to plug before? Are we, like, you know, say goodbye to the audience? Oh, yeah. I mean, something that you'll look forward to is uh, the day the podcast comes out, i.e. tomorrow, 
is the star on my channel, Legend of Kanto, of our Breath of the Wild playthrough. I fucking that time, mate. I know. I know, Carl. But you know what? Right now, I'm like working full time, so I've got to abuse that like that content that we record in advance and yeah. stretch it out. So for now, just got to do one video a week, but that'll yeah. all change soon. It will be. Tease the audience, Lucas. Tease them with your voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or my channel with me kicking Lucas' ass at Smash. Um, Not tomorrow, though, because it's Friday. Not it's tomorrow. Thursday, that's the Ganondorf day where Lucas will <laughs> be handily, but by how much... Well, actually, no, by how much will be easily discernible by the fact the video is 13 minutes long. <laughs> the, the entire video and just, is... Just perspective... How long is, like, the other video that you put out, say, today? Half an hour. <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be, so you can probably guess that it was a curb-stomp symphony, uh, metaphorically and literally, given Ganon's giant man-sized size 15s. Oh, God, yeah. Slamming down on my head at, like, twice the speed of just, like, no light. <laughs> so I'm hoping people will enjoy those two things. If not, just check out the podcast next week. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I will, yeah. Thank you for listening, and have a lovely day. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Bye.